0: Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast.
1: Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports,
0: God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stoppard.
1: And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom, and as always. We are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident.
0: Go for it. All right. Do, do, do. I'll do the intro. Yo, you got some music? <laughs>
1: That just sounds a bit too exciting and <laughs> suspenseful. It's like,
0: I don't know that we're on that kind of mission. <laughs> Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar podcast. <sighs> yeah, we're still I'm around. It's been a month with, probably. With your hosts. Hi, I'm Cody Stauffer. And I'm Craig Martin. bump 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 bump.
1: You know, we need to get some helium balloons balloons and do a a whole podcast just on helium.
0: Uh, Oh, my gosh. I don't have enough remaining brain cells to sacrifice I I don't know how
1: much that sucks out, but oh, well.
0: (laughs) I don't know if that... that Chances are it wouldn't be noticeable. Does it do that? Does it kill brain cells? You know, I'll I'll
1: tell you what. I, I know that I live in a state that if I lost brain cells...
0: Um,
1: nobody nobody in politics would notice
0: i love i love my state that i was born and raised in uh for many reasons one of them is not the politics the uh, yeah i don't know yeah, dude, I read those head, the headlines of everything that's happening there in Idaho and of course I so I live in Clarkston, Washington, but I also work in Lewiston, Idaho. So I
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you're know.
0: you're on both sides of the yeah. river there. Mhm. So I keep tabs on all that stuff. And of course, my the the local paper is Idaho-based, Lewiston Tribune. So it right. you know, all that is front-page news for the Lewiston Tribune and oh my gosh. What it's it, it's so a I, race. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> it, it really is. And and man, when it's a race to
1: the bottom, we got some deep, deep divers. Oh wow. I mean, it's just oh it, it is it it's really, really sad. I I know that I mean I'm at this point in my uh, professional career that I'm not likely to be moving anywhere.
0: I've wondered, you've gotta be thinking about it. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you
1: the one thing, the one thing that would, I think would break the back, you know, finally make me just just snap into and go like, gotta get out of here, was that they spent an hour in the state legislature yesterday speaking about greater Idaho.
0: Okay. Oh, the expanding the boundaries.
1: Yeah, so many of the agricultural counties of Oregon into greater Idaho. Now, there's a whole lot of craziness and that, I mean, there's a whole lot of stupidity, but the fact, my thing is they spent an hour talking about it. And and two, three weeks ago, they, um, I think it was the education committee had an item that was not on the agenda that had no conversation was allowed, no discussion was allowed. And it was that the schools would not teach sexism and racism in the public schools. And it went through <clears> committee, <throat> it went to the floor, boom, without I discussion. Those are things. And, those and it's like, things. okay, I don't want my kids to learn to be sexist. I don't want yeah, my right. kids to learn no, to be that's racist. No, that's, what cool. that's what not it what it is. But what it was is you're not allowed to teach those things
0: that they exist.
1: And so, yeah, the enslavement <laughs> of Africans. Yeah, had nothing to do with their race, you know, and then Jim Crow laws and all that had nothing to do with race, I guess. And the fact that women weren't allowed to vote until 1920 had nothing to do with sex. I mean, it was. And and so they spent zero time. I think the proposal was 84 words gaveled through, was accepted, but they spent an hour talking about greater Idaho. Oh,
0: gross. Yeah, it is gross. Yeah, everything it's like every week too that there's something. It's like it started with I, I what was the very first thing that I was, "Oh, <clears throat> was one of the first things on the thing is like our governor cannot declare states of emergencies or really do anything." Oh yeah. In a state yeah. of emergency.
1: Well, the, the last one that went through that made it uh, even made, made that one frustrating was that local municipalities, school boards, uh, you know, county health boards cannot make a mask mandate.
2: Doesn't
0: Uh, that make a lie of what they say one of their underlying principles is, right, is local independent governance, right?
1: No, 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 but see, I think that's the the issue. That's a Republican foundation, right? This is not Republicanism. It's not, it's Trumpism. it's a a different animal
0: (laughs) yeah and
1: and and it's a horrid thing and Mm -hmm. because in that and it's just a, a parallel to something that was i don't know if it passed but it was part of the conversation earlier in this legislative session that if any any uh city school or anybody wanted to change the name of a road or a mascot it had to be approved by the state legislature
0: that's so stupid.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you've got you know the Boise Braves, which was the Boise High School mascot, where the Braves, they went ahead and changed it and just call themselves Boise the Brave, which is okay. That's cool. Okay, but that change would have had to go through the state legislature. So,
0: yep. So here, closer to us, there's um, a town called there's the county, Nez Perce County. Right. Then there's the town Nez Perce, the high school. At the town, Nez Perce, and if I'm correct, Nez Perce, the town is not in Nez Perce County. It's kind of interesting, but anyway, yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> the high school for generate, you know, a long time. I think since it's founded was the Nez Perce Indians. Okay. The funny thing is, is that for decades, even the people who went to school there. When they would actually play a school, so was, this is why it's important that I say they're not even in Nesper's County. Right. Nesper's County, a lot of schools in Nesper's County are uh, majority uh, Indigenous uh, people. So, like Lapway, for example, right. and when they would play Lapway, they would even they knew our chants are wrong, our our slogans are wrong, and so just for that game, they would change their chants and the wording of the chants because they knew this is weird and wrong that we're doing this while we're playing an actual indigenous right, majority right. team. Well, so even so, they knew, And they you know, changed it, their name to the Nighthawks and it's actually really cool. Their their mascot now is amazing. It's cool. But, well, they get
1: points for, for awareness. I mean, uh, right? my goodness. Yeah. So this is, this, this, this is a very odd time. I think someone, you know, we had a good conversation with, um, Uh, jody miller shearer you know a few Mm, months mm ago Uh, and 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 just the awareness of some of the racial issues in the pacific northwest and you know the the especially the issue with indigenous people and but it's but it's not i mean it's it's so much bigger than that um it's when i
0: when i watch this uh the legislation and all this stuff i I said this as a joke last year, but, but there's a lot of truth to it. And of course I will get called out for labeling it this because I'm not, it's not my opinion. It's not my view. So how can I call it that? But, um, uh, it's like a celebration, like, not just like, Hey, a willful ignorance, right? It's a celebration of,
1: (laughs) it's a celebration of ignorance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we don't, we don't uh. need your stupid education, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's... I grew up in Idaho, so I can say this. <sighs> yeah, N- 90s just... Idaho, it's, it's like, I thought it was bad then, you know, right? on some things. And actually, I didn't even think it was bad because it was, it was I, normal. I, I believed a lot of it. It was normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if I compare even then to now, it's, it feels like backwards, going backwards.
1: Oh, it is. It is. And it's, it's, it's sad. And, and I, I just spent um, a couple of weeks ago, I was down in Arizona. And we can talk about some of that later as well. But I was in Arizona about a year ago when the when the pandemic was starting before it was called a pandemic. And, yeah. and I had just watched the Netflix uh, docu series called Pandemic. Mm. Uh, which was presaging you know, what might may happen. You know, this is a, a documentary put together in 2017 to 2019. I think it was, so it was oh, wow. you know, look, looking at the future is re- very prescient. And, um, And, you know, so I'm watching the news going, this is this is what that talked about. And in Arizona, the conversation was about science and it was about thinking and about, you know, are there some things we should be doing, some questions that, you know, and this was from politicians and the public and the news. It was it was actually a thing like we don't know what's going on. Let's think our way through this. Mm -hmm. And I moved back up to Idaho and it's like we don't need no science you know and and it's like the science is stupid they change their mind every week we can't trust science well that's called discovery that is science science. (laughs) if science never changed i don't know we'd still be in the middle ages you know Uh, and um and i just found myself thinking arizona is so much more progressive and i mentioned that to my family in arizona and they go what i said you don't know nothing you you, you, you know nothing you got to live in, north, in, the, in the Pacific Northwest version of, I don't know, Mississippi or something like that, that, that used to be last in education funding, but we we've, we've, we've beat them to the bottom on that one.
0: Did we really? Oh, we're 51st. I mean, that, okay.
1: we're, we're 51st. One, one of the territories is ahead of us. I don't know if it's Puerto Rico oh. or Guam, but somebody oh. or American Samoa, somebody is ahead of Idaho in
0: funding for education. And didn't they just vote? They voted down something. Oh, what was it? It was free
1: money for pre K. The lottery. Well, oh, there, there's that too. But before oh, no, that, yeah.
0: there was there was
1: there were millions of dollars for pre K funding to help you know pre K literacy issues, just a whole bunch of stuff. And the curriculum is decided by the local folks who use it. Okay. Okay. And and it's and it was created it by the Trump administration. <laughs>
0: So there's every reason for the reason for
1: board. these for these for these for these yahoos to like say, yeah, hey, that's Trump. That's our guy. And they reject the funding, free money for kids to go to
0: school. What and was their thinking? Because, it, oh, it was, mothers at work? It was mothers.
1: And, mo- mother, Mothers should be at home and, you know, be, being, being with their kids. And this just encourages mothers to get out of the home. I don't know what that's that's like what 1970s somebody's not been awake for a long time we got rumple stiltskin and you
0: know in there there and were then, women in the legislation voting on that too oh, oh yeah
1: and, and and then the other fear was that oh it's going to be filled with communist and socialist ideology and social justice stuff and it's like it's decided by the local people, you know, let the people right. decide. And so that I, I, it's coming back up, it may get voted in just because people uh, hopefully have said, you're stupid. But the other one was the, the lottery. You know, I've got a lot of reasons to think gambling is sure. bad, it's addictive yep. and it's feeding mm-hmm. into a negative aspect of our society. Right. Yet it's also become a major component of uh, education uh, funding in the state. Mm-hmm. That's how the state uh, legitimated it. Now, yep. if you want to get rid of that, that's fine. But you got to find the money elsewhere. It's either yeah. taxes or some other yeah. fee structure. But it got it. But it can't be such that it goes to the schools or the parents because it's supposed to be a free public education, right? Right. And and I knew a number of people who her purchased lottery tickets as a donation to that fund. They went, I don't care if I win. Our schools need more money. It's a simple way yeah. I can just put in. Twenty bucks I mean,
0: it's direct. It's a direct
1: way, yeah. and I may get something out of it, you know. Yeah, um, but they pulled the they 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 got rid of that because Powerball, which is this it's multi-state, multi-state yeah. and international thing, didn't want to be connected with Australia. That's outlawing guns, and you know it's a Second Amendment rights issue. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't
0: even over the the things you mentioned. It wasn't exactly. Like, hey, exactly. No, it was because Australia is a part of it. Yeah. It's like, Oh man. Yeah.
1: Those darn Aussies. My goodness.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So, That's wow. Oh geez.
1: yeah. So this <laughs> has been the nuts. And so when they decided as a, as a, as a legislative body to not wear masks while in session, and then, and then they all got <laughs> sick. Well, they, they all—I think it was fourteen of them—got sick, and they but had to a, call a off good percentage. legislative session for two weeks because they got sick, costing the taxpayers three hundred thousand dollars. And then they come back and say, "Well, we can't tell people to wear masks." <sighs> so dumb. <laughs> it is, I, I just, I just can't fathom the stupidity of our state legislatures. And the people who vote them in. I mean, fine, you want to have Republicans go for it. But these people are not pick, good Republicans.
0: pick, pick some. The, yeah. yeah,
1: find find a good Republican and put them in office. So anyway, that's enough of my time. Okay, enough,
0: enough about yeah. that.
1: Yeah. All right. Hey, tell me, tell me. Let's talk about something else. Tell me about okay. Easter worship. Did you guys do hybrid? Did you go live? How'd that
0: so we did our first, uh, at one of the two churches, we did our first in-person, but it was outdoors uh, event. So right. so our bishop in the Pacific Northwest, really the greater Northwest area, uh, we're still very much in encouraging, encouraging, stay apart as much as possible. But right. we are in a phase where, in-person, indoors, you can do 25 people or less. And that's kind of, you know, it's moving to be bigger and bigger. But outdoors, we can do up to 50 people. And and we can even sing oh. with a 12-foot distance. 12 feet. <laughs> yeah, 12 feet. So everybody's distance, a right? soloist. <laughs> and, well, you can, in uh, your family group, you can. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. So groups, 12 feet apart, and still masked, of course, too. So yeah, we did that on Easter and it was great. It was really fantastic to hear everyone all together say the Lord's prayer. That was awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that was huge. That was huge. Um, And then the second church. So we still have to also do online, any uh, type of stuff. So we did an in-person in-the-room live stream. So 25 of us were in the room. And live streamed to everyone else who who couldn't make okay. it. So,
1: yeah, yeah, we it, it, we we did. Well, we were going to do a hybrid, mm-hmm. and, and so we were meeting outside, and the plan was for a fire pit. Oh, sweet. You know, and so we. I mean, we're a small enough group that we can all gather around the fire, um, but then I had to make a, a trip to Arizona, and I was the one coordinating it, so. It didn't go hybrid on Zoom. Uh, nobody got the firewood.
0: <laughs> oh no! But uh,
1: Carla uh, was able to, to to lead the service, and it you know it it went well. So, and cool. then last week we had um, horrible morning weather. I think it was like forty yep. degrees and, and twenty mile an hour winds or something like that. Yeah. And we were a smaller group uh, last Sunday, so we met indoors with masks. And then but then we kind of went around the room and then realized, well, we 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 acknowledge, OK, everybody in this room has been vaccinated. Your vaccinations are in full swing. Want to pull the mask? OK. So we pulled the mask. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was kind of fun. Now, the whole singing thing, I'm not I'm not I'm not a big fan of hymns. I've enjoyed the other alternative music we've been using. <laughs> it's like I don't want <laughs>
0: like to hymns. to go to hymns, but so, yeah.
1: So we did some of the recorded music that we had been uh, using during our our Zoom time, yeah. and people sang to that. It was kind of fun cool. to you know to hear each other sing. Yeah, it was good. That's so. awesome.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, so, what do you want to talk about next? Do you want to segue into because this is a decent spot to go into the Longhurst conversation?
1: About. Yeah, I think it really is. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we we had a conversation with Christine. Uh, Longhurst uh, several weeks ago, uh, I, and and one of Three weeks things the things I couldn't be there. You couldn't be there, right? And and one of the things that I found so intriguing about that conversation, um, the thing that caught my eye was that uh, she had done a study of churches in United States, well, throughout the anybody who picked up the the survey yeah. basically it wasn't limited, but it was largely North American, Canadian, and United States, with a, with some other um, areas. Uh, included, there are about I think seven, maybe six, six or seven hundred responses to the survey. Yeah. So it was and a good sample a group.
2: Six hundred
0: and thirty something or yeah, something it more was more it was a time.
1: good sample size. I was ha- I was really happy to see that, and it was largely a quantitative uh, survey. We uh, you know to tick boxes and get get uh, you know some good graphs and statistics along with a little bit of uh, narrative included in it. And part of her analysis of it uh, in section eight of the study, and we'll put a link. Uh, to the study, so people can look at that. But in section eight, it was like, well, what comes after the pandemic? And so, one of the things I thought intriguing about this wow. is she did this, uh, and really, um, I think it's awesome she did it when she did it. She she began the study, I believe, in May, yeah. when pan- when when the shutdown had only been going on for a few months. And so, these are mm-hmm. it's kind of a, hit, a snapshot of some early thoughts, and a lot of Ooh. a lot of um, church leaders who responded to the survey were were. Kind of saying, I'm not sure what we're going to do when we come out of pandemic because I kind of like this. Our people like this. You were finding Mm -hmm. more people logging in than if we were in a physical spot. Um, You know, we, if, uh, and and the post, but it really, to me, it clearly um, indicated the post pandemic experience of community, uh, of worshiping community. Uh, either A, needs to adapt to uh, the learnings we've gotten from this experience, or B, uh, the other part is that if we don't adapt, we might lose people. We had a couple who uh, participated with us, and they said, well, they'd never, they would never come in person, because they really like uh, laying on their bed in their pajamas on a Sunday morning and tuning in and participating that way at that level.
0: Sure, sure.
1: I'd get which, it. Which then gives rise to what does bring people together shoulder to shoulder to be together to, to experience uh, true community. Yep. I shouldn't say true community, but a fuller sense of physical gathering. Yep. Yeah.
0: So we, uh, one of the things that she talked about in her interview when I listened, uh, I did, I felt so convicted. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I felt bad because... She did talk about like wasted opportunities, you know, during the year. And of course, man, and yeah. she everything she said, I was like, "Yep, we should have probably between all our options, Zoom probably would have been the best platform because it allows for more participation and contribution, right? Rather than a pre-recorded, which we try to maximize by bringing in different people to do different parts of the pre-recording, right. but still." Yeah. So it was right. She was exactly right. We tried to, in our setting, tried to keep doing what we do, just in a virtual space. And really, we should have used it as an opportunity to: how can we springboard this into more contributions from everybody?
1: So the 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 one time that I did pulpit supply uh, over the past year, when I when I I think I mentioned this before, when I actually said yes, hey, I'd love to, I was like, I was looking forward to traveling to seeing some of these folks i hadn't seen for a long time and i remembered like after the phone call went, oh wait i'm just gonna log on to zoom in my office aren't i (laughs) but because they were doing zoom not not a facebook live yeah or some other platform um there were you know like 40 little boxes for these different family groups and units that were were present and it was just great to see the names of these different folks and see them participate. So I think yeah, Zoom did give a did did provide that that kind of um, way to give and take. And then that church had its uh, virtual foyer. Oh, that's and, cool. And so uh, what some churches do with their virtual foyer is to create, um, you know, the the Facebook. I mean, not Facebook. The breakout rooms on Zoom. Yep. Mm-hmm. And almost would throw people randomly together to go mingle with one another. Then they'd come yeah. back. And so, That's, so I think there are some uh, things that, that, um, you know, we, since we are a church plant size core group, we didn't take advantage of all those things, but,
0: yeah.
1: um, yep. It made me think never waste a good crisis.
0: Exactly. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely wish there were, to, yeah. Uh, so it's not that we didn't though. We did do new things that added to, but they were separate from our worship right. service. And I really wish. For our worship service, we would have focused on. Okay. So so, and and the struggle was honestly, it was because, hey, the live thing is the easiest. Everybody can click and just join. You don't even have to have a Facebook account, right? To watch the live stream. Exactly. Uh, You can't you can't chat if you don't have an account, but at least you can watch it. Right. So it was just the easiest thing, right? Because in the early things, it was like, let's just get to the easiest thing. Everyone's struggling with Zoom because it's a mostly older, you know, congregation. So Let's just do right.
1: Yeah. People have figured out how to use social media, primarily, you know, Facebook, let's just go with what people know. And, right. and that makes sense. Yeah. The um, the the what regard aside from the technological uh, technological changes and innovations that you've gone through, what is a lasting thing that you think will remain as a practice or something that you'll carry on out of this?
0: So for sure, it, I mean, it carries off of the technological thing, but so we do every week, a, almost every week, um, a Sunday school guest teacher yes. who, and why I like that is because it is, you know, in the past, the way we've handled education, I've, um, we have two people, actually one of them passed away during the pandemic, but oh. we have these people mm-hmm. who set up everything and set up the curriculum and it's great but they always get just like a video, bring it in. And it always ends up being the same. It's like in the UMC, it's Adam Hamilton. I don't know if you know that name, but Adam Hamilton and a couple other folks. And it's just the same folks every time Walter Brueggemann. So good stuff. Right. But I wanted to, and I was like, Hey, this is where it was like, Hey, let's take advantage of the crisis. I'm going to bring in voices that these people have never heard before that, uh, can just talk straight, straight right to them and they can ask questions. See, there's the participation part and uh, yeah. And here are some new ideas and some from new perspectives and ask their questions. So we're going to keep doing that. Uh, because yeah, I think that's cool. a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. well, that,
1: that reminds me because I was thinking of a, a something else myself when I asked the question, but Carla and I started a, the podcast because we, with our adult um uh, Sunday school. It's usually studying a book, maybe do it, studying a book of the Bible, doing something like that. And we picked up on a, on a topic and just kept running with it. And and um, I think we're going to carry on that podcast and maybe let it shape some, go maybe some other, down some the, other theological rabbit hole eventually. Cool. But I don't think we've gotten to the bottom of the one we're working on, so I have to find other angles with it. Um, and, um, but one of the other things I think that we did is since we are an a cappella singing tradition for the most part, um, now we don't have a theological justification for it. uh, So it's different than like the, the, some of those restoration movement churches, like uh, churches of Christ, Christ. Mm -hmm. but we, we it's, and for us, it's also, gosh, we don't have any musicians. So good good thing. We have a cappella tradition as a backup
0: yeah right and,
1: and while some people can figure out how to do it and have those choral zoom things where it's like you know all these different I like, i can't figure it out and every, there's always <laughs> a delay serious. here and there yeah it's like
0: serious software
1: yeah and so we never did that so it's like how do we do music since music is actually an important part of our tradition and so um one of the guests who we haven't had on and might yet still get around to him is uh, Malcolm Hawker, who is the CEO of um, CCLI. Right. Yeah, cool. And uh, he—I don't know if you met Mac- Malcolm back in the ALA loan days, but nope. uh, he was part of that ALA uh, loan think tank. <clears throat> but you know, we 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 took advantage of their digital streaming, um, copyright stuff, and we would uh, stream some music you know with permissions or ones that had copyright uh, allowances for it and did a lot of stuff from common hymnal yeah which awesome. was so appropriate to the social conversation that was going on outside of pandemic issues
0: that's right and still going on
1: exactly and then coming out of uh, coming coming back it's like we got to keep singing those songs because as common hymnal puts up, uh, you know d- describes it praise and protest um, the praise and protest are still, you know, uh, so intertwined uh, with yep. our social experience.
0: Yep.
1: So yeah, I think there's a couple of things we picked up out of it that we we want to want to keep going with. I love it. That's so, cool. So mm. we'll have we'll have we'll have that um, conversation with Christine at the probably I'll just stick it at the end of our 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 conversation here. Okay. I'll put a note in the in the notes that like if you don't want to listen to Cody and and me just kind of talk skip and ahead, just too. kind of skip ahead. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe I won't. I maybe I won't put that in there. You have to listen. You have to suffer through this.
0: <laughs> um, suffer with us. Yes. Learn to suffer with us. Wait, I'm not suffering, though. You're not suffering. You're looking all right. I'm doing all right. So
1: hey. here, yes. here, here's another hot topic. It's really okay. a hot topic. Okay. <laughs> you You want to buy a grill.
0: Yeah, a smoking, a smoker type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not be able to smoke, yeah.
1: Yeah, you got a lot of it. Looks like you got a lot of good advice on, on Facebook on that,
0: yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm i uh, you know, everybody's got nowadays not everybody, but lots of folks have those pellet style uh setups. You know, Traeger made famous, right, right. Popular by not fit, fa- yeah, made famous. And I would say famous, yeah, 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 there were some that precursed them, but uh, they didn't get nearly as famous, probably because. Traeger had the whole, like, you can set it, you know, digitally and it feeds, you know, it auto feeds. So you can kind of just dial in your temperature and it maintains it. Yeah. They made the
1: technology uh, something that people could figure out rather than having to keep experimenting and tweaking. And
0: right now it's the right temperature. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. No. So I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to debate because you know, I've held off long enough, but now there's lots of other competitors that are actually considered even better than Traeger at it, you know, have up to their game. But then there's there's something about having an actual because the pellet smoker is controlled. It's electronically. It's not a real, you know, it's not like barbecue, you know, fire. Right. And, it, it's yeah. basically
1: a stove outside.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, honestly, though, for probably it probably is what would be best for me because it's easy easy to get going I can walk away they even have them now where you can monitor it with your smartphones a lot of them and uh it's yeah lots of things you can do with it but but I don't know like I really want the true smoking experience, the real like fire and, but I also don't want to sit for eight hours and just maintain a fire. I, I, I
1: you know, so you what, what you're talking about is kind of like uh, standardized, uh, easily repeatable production technology. <laughs> yeah, yes. But 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 cooking,
0: yeah,
1: is about being vulnerable to the elements, both the <laughs> the true. ingredients as well as the implement for cooking. Yeah, uh, being open to new discoveries and challenges, and stretching yourself in a meditative, uh, kind of an
0: existential <laughs> and artistic yeah.
1: way. So-
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, you don't, you're really, it depends on what you're, uh, you know, yeah, what you're looking for. Right. i I guess i don't want to go on and be a pit master that's for sure
1: okay yeah so so you you can't do that with the computerized thing the real pit masters i mean they're what putting their hands on the coals going oh yeah that feels hot enough (laughs) right or maybe above the coals i should say
0: (laughs) yeah don't put them in well who knows man i don't know maybe they got lots of calluses (laughs) they're crazy some of them but yeah they do they they, that's the whole well but also most of them that's like i don't well most pit masters that's their job though right they don't They're not (laughs) pastors. I don't know. There probably is, though, in the South. There's probably pastors that are pitmasters. Uh, Okay, so
1: here's a Google search. (laughs) pit pastor BBQ.
0: Oh, man, it's got to be there. I guarantee it. But anyway, yeah. So I have narrowed it down to... Oh, and here's the other thing about those pellet grills. Most of them nowadays are so multifunctional, too. Right? You can... You do your, you know, set your meat on there and do that, you know, pellet smoke them. Right. But also most of them have the ability to, um, because of the technology, you can bring the heat up quickly. Like if you want to do a sear too, you know, most smokers, you smoke it and then you have to take it somewhere and sear it or sear it first, then smoke it, depending on how you're going to do it. And uh, yeah, the actual smoker just doesn't get hot enough or it takes way too long to get to... To that. So the pellet smoker, you can do that. Or they even have now where you attach onto the side a separate, even um, implement that's propane, you know, right. sear right. it real quick. Or you can swap it out. Like most of them have this ability to swap that even out and put a different thing on, like a pizza oven or you know, weird things. Now,
1: now, I mean, this is one of those things that if you, this is a great pun, if you go whole hog on it. <laughs> um you're gonna to have to sell one of your children or something that's right
0: there I mean, that's the other thing so I mean, it is much cheaper to get into actual smoking uh, the legit stuff because you can honestly it really does come down to technique and if you have anything that will hold some heat uh for a sustained period of time you can do it for 140 bucks you know basically it. right with the, yeah yeah so but the pellet smokers with all of those things and everything else even just the straight up just the pellet smokers by itself is 600 for the cheapest six seven hundred and you're and
1: and when you're talking about these bells and whistles you're not talking about you're not talking about three-digit grills you're talking about something hits in the fours and maybe five-digit grills
0: yeah there. oh yeah there's you have a big one of them who is it uh Oh not the Green Mountain, but uh, maybe it is green. anyway that no it's called the uh, Rectech Rectech has one that's like it's a professional sized right. I mean you, you need, need a trailer twenty twenty two thousand dollars yep. okay yeah. so
1: so here's the other thing that I'm thinking you know I I know how you know UMC pastors work and all that and what the what the salary schedule is. I'm just wondering, did you just get a boost? did you get a bump
0: <laughs> no but i have been uh saving a little bit so i yeah even with saving a little bit i'm not i well also that's I, why i'm settling in on a, a cheaper option i found and,
1: and lisa's saving on
0: gas she's, and she saved, and she did get a bump okay she so, got a nice raise so, and so yes. she got a
1: raise and she's not spending as much on gas going that's to right. work mm-hmm. so you'll use her bump and you'll use her gas savings <laughs>
0: For the family,
1: of course. That's right. Of course.
0: I do. I see. I do 90% of the cooking.
1: Yep. So I gotcha. I know what you mean. Yeah. So here's the other question. If you do get a smoker, I mean, a full fledged, really good smoker. Yes. What would you put on it?
0: Oh, uh, my mind is dancing with the possibilities. Brisket. I want to do a brisket. Like that's probably one of my first things because you can't, you can, I mean, I have what's, I have an instant pot and I have a slow cooker, you know, you can do brisket in those things. Right. It's not, it's not a smoked brisket. Yeah. So that's one of my very first things I want to do a nice smoked brisket. And then from there, I want to do it all, man. I want to smoke so a uh, ribeye. Oh yeah.
1: There, there are these amazing um, species around you called salmonids.
0: yeah Yeah, which includes salmon salmon, steelhead trout i mean oh that'd be amazing yeah yeah smoke steelhead Mm, i I haven't
1: really talked to you too much about fishing when's the last time you went fishing for steelhead or salmon okay that means we have to go plan on that you just went silent you're gone any voice So, ladies
0: and gentlemen, Cody is still here.
1: He's just <laughs> okay. not talking. I oh, there he goes.
0: You did my uh, call. And I don't oh, know what yeah. It. Yeah. All right. Okay, continue yeah. to talk. I'm going to try to figure out my No, idea. I'm just saying that, uh,
1: yeah, I, I need to go steelhead or salmon fishing this spring.
0: Ooh, um, heck yeah.
1: And uh, the fellow who I've talked with uh, in Idaho goes to Washington and Oregon in the springtime. Uh, yes. for, for salmon. And so I still kind of figure out when that's going to be in my head. It's April sometime, but it's like, wait, we're already in April sometime. we April right now. And, and uh, you know, I, he goes up, you know, he follows mainly the Columbia. And so, you know, that's not too far from you parts of it, but it's a little ways. Mm-hmm. So you just went portrait landscape. Yeah, <laughs> i you <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like like your
1: phone is on rotation lock and and you... (laughs) Anyway, there's too much to figure out in my schedule right now to make that work, but we'll have to get some salmon salmon on your smoker at some point.
0: That'd be amazing. Hey, uh, somebody just set a record. Did you see that? Oh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Where did I see that? Somebody from Idaho set the record for, I think it was a stillhead. Was it a stillhead?
1: Oh, I didn't see that.
0: Where where did I just see? I have today's newspaper, so it must not have been today's, but yeah, just uh, close by here, somewhere close by here. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, uh, the first, the first salmon I caught was 45 pounds and, uh, it just it, it just ruined me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would. Oh my gosh.
1: It was it was great. Uh, 39 inches. That's um, awesome. yeah, it was it was it was it was it was a beauty.
0: That is so. cool. Nice, well done. Yeah, no, I would love to do, yeah, that'd be one of my top deals too. Smoke yeah. some yeah, some salmon. Yes, indeed. Mm, okay, Craig. Yeah uh you we you didn't really you said maybe we'll talk about it later but
1: <laughs> yeah
0: where you had to go to arizona
1: so yeah we my my dad passed away um he died easter evening which was kind of a interesting marker you know way to remember that yeah but um uh friday before easter, Saturday.
0: no Was that Holy Saturday? Well, actually, no, Easter
1: evening. Not Easter Eve, but the evening of Easter. Oh, oh, gotcha,
0: gotcha. Okay. Yeah,
1: and so, um, but on on, uh, the previous Thursday, actually, it was, well, I knew he wasn't doing well. My brother and sister and I had been talking, and uh, my dad had had a tough week in his assisted living uh, center, and my brother took him to the doctor and realized he had to be admitted to the hospital. And they still hadn't opened up the assisted living centers for visitation, but my brother was able to go in and get him to a doctor's office. and mm. um, So basically my dad was kind of locked away for the last year and, you know, with right. visitors. And that was, that was, that was, uh, you know, that was difficult, but um, he had DNRs and had all the end of life things all figured out. And, and um, when I talked to my brother on th- I talked to my sister, I think probably on Thursday, she, she said, she's heading down to Phoenix and it's like, okay, I, I need to go down too. Yep. And cause my dad's done this before had done this before where it's like, he's knocking on death's door and it doesn't open this time. It seemed different. So we, we went down there and it was good. We ended up spending, um, uh, time. They only let two people in the room at a time. So for a while we had to only have two of us there, but then at a certain point, they said, yeah, all three of you can show up. That's, that's not nice. going to be an issue. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were able to, to, to spend time with dad at one point when he was conscious and aware, he looked at the three of us and kind of went, oh, it must be bad if all you all three of you are here. Oh. <laughs> and uh, But my dad loved basketball. And we, one of the pictures we found was him as uh, a child uh, in 1937 uh, on uh, like a it was like a fourth grade basketball team or something like that. And, you know, there he is holding the ball. And awesome. So on, on uh Friday night, uh he was you know coming in and out of, of consciousness. We watched the women's uh final four. I watched the uh, South Carolina versus well, who are they playing? Was it not wasn't U of A. Um, because the next game was U of A and UConn, I think it was. But anyway, we watched yeah. we watched the women's final four, those were such good games, so close. Yeah. And we watched, we didn't get the men's finals for, but we watched the men's final together. And that was just kind of how we spent some time with, with uh, my dad, you know, in the hospital uh, watching basketball. I think it was kind of special in in an odd way. Uh, The the men's game was a horrible game. Gonzaga just didn't even show up.
0: Um, Disappointing.
1: Yeah. But, but that, that was kind of how we spent some time together. I was, it was good. I got to spend some time with my sister and her, husband as well as um my most of my brother's family my my uh, nieces and nephews they're all all there in that area so we were able to spend some time together my brother and sister and I went through my dad's house and was we were organizing and looking at things one of the things we found that was really amazing were his love letters to my mom while uh he was stationed in France uh, during the Korean War Oh, wow. And uh, some of those things were, were really neat. And so we, I mean, it's, it was, it was, um, it was one of those things that was kind of, it was the right time, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, we still got to figure out other things to do and what to do. And, you know, he owned his house outright for a number of years. And uh, so we, so things just kind of piled up inside and we don't have to like, Oh, we don't have to move anything out because it's, you know, Paying a mortgage or anything, so we're gonna. I'm I'm gonna go down there as soon as track season's done. That's at least this is the plan. I'll go down there probably May 22nd and stay down there and help organize the house. Yep. But what's really odd is, you know, we can't. We don't have a memorial service, right? <clears throat> I mean, right. Arizona is still in much more of a lockdown than than um, than we are up here in this backward place that I live. <laughs> um (laughs) the science denying place but so we're we're talking about having a family outdoor gathering in june okay at uh, a church camp that my dad spent a lot of time volunteering uh, working uh you know doing things there helping to you know repair things in the beginning of the summer and at the end of the summer um and his some of his ashes will be scattered there uh, at the time uh they have um Kind of a memory wall at the church in tempe and he'll be in there have some ashes in there with with my mom oh, and the re- yes Calma. yep and then and then the remainder of his ashes are going to go back to his hometown in in wyoming
0: oh wow Well, so, oh, that's that's special but putting that
1: all together is is there's not like oh we're doing a memorial service got to get the obituary done boom 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 and my right. my, my brother's a business whiz my sister's a business whiz so they're handling all the estate issues and we're meeting with the uh the mortuary and the fellow looks and says well who who wants to handle the uh, obituary and my brother and sister look at me and go craig you're the writer <laughs> so it's like i'll tell you it is it is so hard to write one of those things um because there's always another line or some more detail yeah more stuff right and and nothing feels it doesn't feel like there's any justification to leave something out. Right. And so I tell you, I I actually have been dragging my feet finishing it because it's also a document I don't want it to be right. finished.
0: What's behind that? Do you think?
1: Well, I think that's how I'm handling the grief piece yeah. is that yeah. uh, I don't want to have everything tied up and finalized.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Um, and and part of that it's weird how it happened with the, the thought process because Generally, when it comes to music, if it's not new, I don't want to listen to it. (laughs) You know, there's very few. I, I, the the oldies stations just, I, they're they're horrible. I don't like them. You know, hits (laughs) of the 70s and 80s and 90s. It's like, no, I already lived that once. We're going through it. We're moving forward. Mm, Yeah. There's a there's a few good tunes from the past, and one of the tunes that I've always thought of, kind of the way I think of my dad, is a Foo Fighter song, uh, "My Hero."
0: Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, especially the line in there about uh, so ordinary, you know, just a regular guy. But that got me on this this weird uh, what do you call kind of rabbit trail thing. Oh, yesterday, I spent the time listening to Moody Blues albums from 1967 and 1972. It's like, why? Why am I spending all day doing this? It's like, oh yeah, these are some of the pieces of music I. Listened to that kind of shaped my identity and kind of yep. set me on a path. And, you know, things were happening in the home where I was growing up and how I interacted and related to it all. And I yep. found one song and I went, Oh, that's also why I started becoming a pacifist, which my dad didn't completely understand <laughs> ever. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it's been an interesting thing to go through. Yeah. And, and, and nobody really, I mean, people don't really talk about it because it's a common experience that happens to all or it ha or it will happen to all just about all is my sister and brother and I were going, what does it mean to be an adult orphan? You know, what does it mean when your parents are gone? What is it? It really puts you in this different position of the family tribe that without really intending to my brother, sister and I become like the family patriarchs. That's right. And, um, you know what what are the responsibilities or the you know the, what, what what does that carry and anyway so yeah that's some of the stuff that's going on in my head in this whole process I, um, but it's i mean it's actually been i i hate saying it's been good but it's just so meaningful right
0: there you go. i like I, that there you go, I'm and
1: beautiful. um it's and and my brother and sister and i i'm just really grateful for the way that we're able to work it together um because there's plenty of opportunities for siblings to disagree and not get along
0: yes yeah i have uh, seen that firsthand yeah, and so, many times yeah
1: and and this has been this has been really good
0: yeah when a um when uh like a, a patriarch or a matriarch pass away um when i'm doing funeral planning and all that kind of stuff there's always like every meeting i end with please you know like some idea of like leave all the you know weight. You, you don't necessarily have to settle all these things maybe you do for whatever reasons but right. i just i try to caution like you know the discussions afterwards really make or break so many relationships and families um yeah. for whatever reason yeah so
1: yeah and I, I i contacted my uh the schools that i teach for and fortunately with college of western idaho i teach online i can teach anywhere so it's really not an issue but uh, I'm supposed to have a physical presence at the campus in Meridian for the U- University of Dubuque. And they said, yeah. hey, the program that we have that you teach in is called Life. Life happens. And okay. you, can, you can teach remotely to a classroom full of live students. It's going to be you know, synchronous. Um, yeah. But you can teach it from anywhere. And you can even use the offices of the campus in Tempe. Oh, sweet. And so it's like super accommodating. And you know, that was really, really helpful. Love so it. that that relieved that? the burden. So I can go down there and, and you know keep teaching.
0: So would you how do you imagine? I can remember sitting down and having a conversation with you. Man, now I can't remember how long ago now, but I think we were at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, yeah. And I you were that. talking about yeah. And you were talking about your current at that time, current uh, situation with employees with was it Brown Mackey? Yes. Yes. And yep. can you, what would be the difference between Brown Mackey and how they would have handled this right now and compared to what you're experiencing with, with these? I,
1: I would have been given the opportunity to uh, resign or be fired.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, there was,
1: uh, I, I, you know, I might have been able to get a leave of absence but the way things were happening there is because it was one of those four private proprietary schools every quarter people would disappear because um, the stock uh, fi- the 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 stock company the finance the 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 investment banking group that owned that property would look at the cost benefit analysis and they'd say oh we yep. need to trim labor so if i stepped out i would have been the easily oh, there
0: we go there's somebody yeah. we can yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: so yeah. um yeah it would have been completely different the relationships with my colleagues great and maintain some of those relationships still today but uh, the institution would have been completely different yep. so, so yeah so let that be uh, a, a word to the wise teach at state universities you know public education or teach at regionally accredited higher education institutions. If they're going to be private, make sure it's a private nonprofit, preferably there owned go. by a group as well organized as the Presbyterian Church.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, they do everything uh,
1: uh, in order there. So,
0: yeah. You said something, you know, like you can't really think or plan about, right? Like, who, how is your a surrounding is going to respond in a right. moment when you are grieving or going through loss and you just how you're gonna yeah. you know what I don't even think about that yeah I, I, mean, I think
1: one of the one of the one of the wonderful uh, other places of work is is with coaching. Mm, yep and and I didn't tell my kids hey yeah my dad's dying I'll see you later <laughs> I mean right. I just you don't know, I, I just you know that's not a burden to lay on teenagers. Right. And, um, you know, I made a few, I made a, a Facebook obituary, kind of little announcement, a little statement about my dad. And I noticed that two of my athletes had, had seen that. And so they knew what was going on. Uh, my coaches were like, Hey, get out of here. Don't even think about it. We got your back. We will take care of everything. Love it. You're fine. Um, Love it. and, and my head coach, I mean, this is the first time this has ever happened anywhere I've worked um the you know working in churches working in schools working elsewhere this was the first time i remember that my boss said hey craig it's okay i love you and we'll take care of what needs to be taken care of
0: <laughs> it's like oh it's like wow um, so and see so you were joking about earlier your uh just because of your station in life not being able to move but you know, There's other reasons to stay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um,
1: my, mm-hmm. my coaching staff is remarkable. I mean, we teach, we coach high school together. We coach uh, our elite club together in the winter and in the summer. Uh, we're around each other an awful lot. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the only group of employees I've ever had that when we go out to eat, you know, after uh, you know, have a coaches meeting. Uh, whoever leaves first, or however everybody's going, they'll say, "Hey, see, I love y'all." You know, it's like, wait, we love each other. I Aww. love that we 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 speak that. That is uh, so,
2: awesome.
0: Yeah, it's, a,
1: it's an awesome group of people.
0: That's cool. That's, so, that's hey, cool churches,
1: that. anybody in church leadership, any elders, any you know out there listening, make sure you tell your employees, i.e., pastors, other staff, that you love them. It's just let it's, them know. You know. It's it's encouragement nice. that's necessary. So. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And not just in October
1: during Pastor Appreciation Month.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's so true. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I have been blessed in so far every congregation. I, I definitely there's at least some people that I feel that, you know, right. from the support and right. there. yeah. Yeah, and I, and it's not to say and I haven't felt been, that. And, and I was going to say they've always been in positions too. Yeah, like that. It's like it's not just regular folk. I mean. Right. They are regular folk, but I mean, you know, they're <laughs> in positions in leadership. So that means a little something,
1: you know, and I, and I know those people are there and that they've have been so many people have been loving and caring and expressed love. Mennonites are are they're, they're, We do not do well with words and saying what we feel sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we show it in other ways with sure. pies, and, you know, <laughs> 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 and so I know that the love is there. That's why that's that's not calling any of that into question. Yeah. So.
0: That's cool. But, um, yeah, the love shows up in the handiwork, and the craft, and the uh,
1: yeah, in the food, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do something practical. Yeah. Yep. So, mm-hmm. And, that's and the barn
0: cool. raising. I'm sorry. Just kidding. That's that's the, right. And if you don't have a <laughs>
1: barn, we'll raise something else.
0: <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's cool. Ah, so. uh, yeah. So
1: you know, big segue, completely different topic. <laughs> One
0: Thanks of the things that I think that, we, though, we Craig, learned over the
1: appreciate pandemic. That. Mm-hmm. Is that when we all lock ourselves away? Yes. And when when we isolate,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we're generally a safer world. And I yeah. think one of the really heartbreaking things is, uh, well, the um, the Dante Wright ah. killing just a few days ago. Uh, yeah. There are other instances of gun violence and uh, wow. you know multiple shooting incidents and and i mean at one level it's we're a horribly violent society and it's 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 there and then then on top of that today's the end of the the test or the the presentations are wrapping up the the arguments for the the chauvin case in 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 minneapolis or minnesota and yep and then and it's 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 just a heavy grief to maintain for yep. our communities, and and to live. Uh, I mean, I, I I it's it's frustrating to live someplace where they go. Well, it's always the person's fault for getting shot, as if the police have the right to execute penalty. And you know, it's like no, you you're not supposed to kill people, right? Um,
0: yeah. And, yeah. The this gentleman who uh Dante right. he he did turn to go get into his vehicle, right? But there right. was no threat or harm to any of the officers.
1: None. Right. Yeah. And so what he gets in his
0: car, follow him. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he's just he's probably afraid of you, is what yes. I mean, what's well, going and on?
1: And then there? and and then the uh um army officer the lieutenant the other day mm-hmm. yep. that that from last december that comes out and completely compliant but just saying yeah. please let me know what's going on
0: yep um it even said i'm t- i'm uh, i'm afraid of getting out of my vehicle yes and, and the officer said you should be what in the heck why yeah <laughs> oh geez and
1: and i i you know i just it's i don't know but yeah i i worry about the um i shouldn't say worry but yeah i do i mean i do wonder what's going to happen with the um the 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 jury and what will they decide in the chauvin case um did you see saturday night live on saturday
0: I didn't know i do i saw that they hand they did handle parts of it and i should have no the cold open was
1: a morning news talk show kind of thing yeah you know where the correspondents sit around a table and you know drink coffee and talk with each other kind of thing two of the to the to the um anchors were white two were were black and they were talking about the case yeah open and shut all the evidence is there you know it's there's there's and the, the the white court the white news people go well, it's it's obvious that the jury's gonna like uh, you know just send him away and sentence him whatever and uh-huh. the, the black correspondent's like uh, nope
0: nope <laughs> that's exactly it, it
1: doesn't matter what the evidence says yeah you know?
0: <laughs> exactly yeah there yeah that that to me is the most telling part of all this is that right now it is without question it should be the most slam dunk Thing ever. We right. all saw it. Everybody witnessed it. We there's, I mean, it's there. Right. And would incontrovertible. And yet that right now there's still an apprehension of what can you get off on? Yeah. You <laughs> know, and
1: it's and it's to me that it links to the uh lack of critical thinking skills in, in the general population when it comes to certain issues or or maybe maybe not the general population, maybe a certain subset. But the people who said well, too many people are being uh, labeled as dying of COVID. You know, they, they had heart problems, they had kidney problems, they had, you know, asthma, they had cancer. COVID didn't kill them. These other things killed them. And, and, and I remember reading an emergency room physician who said, um, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a mountain climber. And um, if I fall off a, off a, off a cliff, you will say that you should say that I fell off a cliff and that killed me. You shouldn't say that, Oh, she had asthma. That's what caused problems. Or there was just a sudden impact with the ground, you know, and it was internal organ damage that killed no <laughs> falling off the cliff is what killed. And COVID okay. is that cliff. Okay. And, you know, police violence is, is the cliff. It doesn't yep. matter if somebody has got fentanyl in their system or whatever. Um, so it's in it and and there are people who want to want to buy that argument. Right. And yep. they're pre pre um what sort I'm looking at they're predisposed to let the police off the hook.
0: That's right. Even in this uh case with uh, Dante Wright and they're not wrong, he did have, you know whatever, some prior stuff. Right. But he got pulled over for an air freshener. Yeah, how how is that an issue? You they mean did not pull them over for anything else? Ain't there's no white person gonna get pulled over for an air freshener? Air freshener? Now where uh, they were looking for something. How
1: do uh, you, how do you put an air freshener? I mean, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it's, apparently it is a law that you can't have stuff hanging from your mirror and whatever that area is. Or what will this
1: do or. to the fuzzy dice industry?
0: That's right. That's I mean,
1: right. seriously, there are people who get away with it, and that's even a signature element.
0: That's right. <laughs> right.
1: It's so it's there's there's still there's still unresolved. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the, the it's that that's the whole thing. They they call it um I, they're, they're, they're the the political correct term because it's funny how you know they'll call people out for. Political correctness when it suits them, but when it it, it is community policing is what it's called. But it's really, it's technically like we will look for a reason to pull over. Oh, I know this black person. Look, broken tail light, or uh, and if I'm not what was the one dude was three miles an hour under the speed limit or something like that, or five miles an hour under the speed limit. (laughs) And
1: I always drive slow. Almost always drive slow. Right. So. Yeah, yeah anyway uh um you know one of the things we might put on our notes is this might be worth a a, a two-parter so <laughs> sure
0: <laughs> break this one up yeah 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 it, yeah, it is and right this week it, you say it's closing is it closing arguments that they are doing now is closing arguments is?
1: Is? are today okay. Tuesday. yeah Ooh,
0: yeah and so by it's, the time we
1: put, put this uh post this i i don't know if the jury will have um
0: come out yeah Yeah. that's true i wonder how long they're i mean people say they can tell there's our experts who say you know like how long deliberations are i don't know i never know but i wonder how long they're gonna deliberate on this I bet they. I'm. I'm sure. I, the goal is to keep uh, jurors away from all the tensions. Right? Is the idea? But I mean, they know, right? But now they didn't what, even like,
1: sequester
0: them. Right. I know. <laughs> you know this huge uh, nationally. There's like a protest going on right now, and they're. Oh. yeah.
1: Exactly, and 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 will that influence uh, jurors?
0: right oh that is interesting uh oh, all these dynamics that play into decision making too so yep.
1: so so with all that you know uh maybe as a segue toward a concluding topic okay what do we do with post easter
0: post easter
1: so i've always thought easter is hey we got this oh you know usually the the the, the lectionary readings are about the um the places Jesus shows up unexpectedly—you know, walks okay. through a mm-hmm. door and surprises the, the disciples. Yeah. Walks on the road on the way to Emmaus with some yeah, Emmaus. two disciples so some who don't like know what's going cars. on. But yeah, Jesus shows up in surprising places. Yep. Yeah. And 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 to me, that's one of the post-Easter messages. Jesus shows up in unexpected places and unexpected ways. Amen. And the other part of it is is in the um, Old Testament readings of the lectionary. The Book of Acts takes takes precedence, and the Old Testament readings go away. And so That's the right. acts is about how do how does that message create these ribble, ripples that go from you know Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth kind of a thing or Jer- Jerusalem right. Judea Samaria ends of the earth and and all these issues um, that are going on in our communities it's like how does how does Jesus show up there yeah i don't know
0: <laughs> okay keep talking i need to use the restroom
1: okay do we, should
0: I? Oh, you're going to mute it. Oh, he's muting.
1: All right. That's very good. So, yeah, while uh, Cody steps out of the room, you know, um, boy, really, what am I going to want to say without him? Wonder what he's doing right now. I'm not going to wonder what he's doing. The um, So the lectionary, using it as a uh, kind of a guide of looking at post-Easter Congregational conversations, at least for us, as we still stay in this, um, or actually try to resume this, this idea of you know replanting our church that kind of got off the rails last year at this time. You know, we're hoping that that looking at these post Easter things as part of a mission kind of a missional lens that we can actually engage our community this year.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, that. we
1: had some great ideas of how to do that but those were all going to be going on while i'm out of town so we'll probably post those postpone those till later in the summer but Oof. yeah i think i think the easter season gives itself toward being um small e evangelical i mean there's there's there, you, there, there, there is good news <laughs> that's actually earth shattering good news that jesus shows up um
0: yep
2: and I,
1: yeah, I want Jesus I to start showing up in a lot more secular, unexpected places, because certainly if, if Jesus only shows up in the church, nobody's going to notice since the latest
0: Pew and Gallup studies show that nobody's <laughs> going there anymore. Nobody's going to church, 47%. No, uh, the truth is, right, We, you and I know this, but let's say it again, uh, that Jesus does show up in all those places. Do we have the eyes to see? So sometimes okay. I... Yep. Yep. I know that that sounds like bad news, right? Uh, 47% are not regular church tenders. But, you know, if you, here's one of the things I feel like uh, post pandemic we can focus on like make the most of the one or couple, you know, the few opportunities that you have where you do interact with folks. Right. And let them give them eyes to see the rest of the world. And it could be good, man, that we're not spending time all junked up and together secluded and siloed and i don't right. know it could be it could be yep, good
1: news yeah. yeah i i i it'll be interesting to see some of the further reflections on the gallup study because one of the things about the highest concentration of participation in church congregating in congregations is by that boomer uh, yep. segment in fact that's increased the in their in their yeah. percentage of participation
0: which kind of goes along the, with the traditional thought of, like, the older you get, the more serious you get about or whatever. I, that- I think
1: there's that. I think it's also perhaps, and I, I'm, this is my uh, kind of dark side, that there's, it's also tends to be the more conservative elements. Yeah. And perhaps they're finding yep. like-mindedness in churches, and churches are going to become concentrated areas of Trumpism, mm. evan- evangel- evangelical Trumpism. Yeah, and so and so those people who are struggling in deconstruction and, and atheism and 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 their doubts, because they're associating faith with that presentation, yeah. I think it challenges um, some of us to be able to say, well, I'm an atheist to that God too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, how how and how without being trite, how do we introduce and reintroduce, you know, a, a living God.
0: I love it. One
1: of the ways is make sure to hand. make make sure to to uh, subscribe to Adam right. Erickson's TikTok Yay, account. TikTok, yep, and that'll help in the re-education.
0: Of. Uh, good. So. Yes, he may. I'm trying to uh, Craig. I I want to start my own TikTok. That is so. Adam is. uh I want to lean people that way, but his presentation is a lot, it's very, it's good, but it's also like, you kind of have to agree with him, to well, begin with, or it, you have to be in that it's, vein already. It, it's a
1: monologue uh, from a, from a position. It's not a conversation.
0: Yes. Yeah. I almost want to be like a bridge to that if I if somehow, because.
1: What would be fun? Have you have you seen the those two guys who watch music videos together and like get all yeah? Like, oh, Whoa, you these know. guys
0: are awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I, I I I got Carla to start watching them, and she's like, "Oh, these guys are awesome!
0: They're great." Uh,
1: but um, it would be fun to sit down with uh, people who are in the process of deconstructing their faith and watch an Adam Erickson mm,
0: ooh, video. Sure.
1: And go. Yep. How's that? How's that sit with you? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You know, will they go? Ooh, wow, that's cool. Or will they go? Yeah, that guy's nuts. <laughs> that
0: didn't yep. quite do it for me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the format too of TikTok doesn't. It, I yeah, mean, it just, it's it quick, rapid. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's cool though. He's doing some awesome stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's another pastor in. He says, I, I should know this, because literally every TikTok he starts with, hey, it's, that, it's your progressive pastor from, and he, I think he's it's Oklahoma, pretty sure, and he does some really I don't know, stuff.
1: somehow that just sounds like a very lonely person.
0: <laughs> kind <laughs> of like saying,
1: that. hey, I'm a progressive uh, pastor from Idaho.
0: <laughs> Idaho, absolutely. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, but TikTok, it's fun. It, it ends up taking up more time than i should give to it
1: <laughs> Yeah, i i don't give it enough time but whatever when i do see adam on uh,
0: instagram i'll take a i'll take a peek at it yep yep so. yep there's good stuff to, oh actually that reminds me um i haven't seen his tiktoks yet but i'm gonna go find him because this sounds amazing it is john piper's son his name is abraham piper really and he is I don't know that this is his mission, but he's like literally tearing down his his father's work, man. He is, he's Adam Erickson, but like a son of a, of a lion of evangelical.
1: So kind of like uh, Frankie Schaefer. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Just like that. uh, (laughs) Yeah. He kind of worked at undoing some of the things Francis Schaefer all, you know, had all, you know, created and set up.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's just, yes, Abraham Piper is his name, and he is, boy, oh, he is fire on, and I've not seen John Piper any responses or anything, but I can just imagine he's, my son, you know, like, I don't know, there's got to be so much angst there, I'm I'm gathering, anxiety, angst, tension, anyway. Or just like, oh, that son, oh. Yeah, it could be could be so he like, did you're, not You're, go. you're grounded <laughs> you're grounded i don't know how old he is um he looks my maybe my age he looks yeah. around my age yeah go check him out abraham piper hey put send, send me the the link and i'll stick it in the okay. show notes all right i almost sent you one the other day that um not from him who was it it was something really cool Uh, oh well i'll find it again and send it to you
1: hey so next week uh is uh next week in fact next week is a week from today (laughs) what (laughs) anyway (laughs) hey what are some upcoming things you want to take on and talk about we don't have i don't have a bunch of people waiting in the queue for uh interviews
0: okay uh so I you probably didn't, I don't know, you probably didn't watch this last week's Sunday school, but no. the lady, her name is Dr. Sharon Putt. She her three books are her first one is Raising Hell, R-A-Z-I-N-G, Raising Hell, right? Uh rethinking, essentially rethinking the uh you know perspective on wrath and judgment. Her next book was uh Oh geez, what was the name of it? Executing God, rethinking um, atonement and the crucif you know—the cross. That the sounds cross. Good. yeah. And her most recent one that just released is called a nonviolent, nonviolent theology of love. Peacefully, uh, peacefully proclaiming. Oh, professing peacefully professing the Apostles' Creed. And oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was really great guest on Sunday School. And she has told me if we want her to ever be on the podcast, she would, she would do it. So. Well, tell you what, uh, let's get her books. Okay. I've got them. You've got them. Did the Raising Hell book, by the way. So I've had it for a while. Right. It came out literally like a month before Rob Bell's Love Wins. Oh, really? So, yeah. So she was like, my publishers were not happy because, wow. you know. But they really, honestly, they make such a great companion together because okay. Love wins is like all questions, like ask questions, ask questions, you know, questions. Hers is much more scholarly research um, and, and more in depth. And so they make a great companion for each other.
1: One of the things that um, I thought of, I think we thought of, we talked about it after we, I think, first... Did that two part interview with Tom Ord years ago? Yes. The outlaw.
0: Theologian of love. love.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we talked about having an outlaw theology conference. Yes. We talked about Tom and uh, Richard Beck. Oh, heck yeah. Um, but it'd be awesome to invite her. What was her name again? Pole?
0: Putt. Uh, Putt. Dr. Yeah. Sharon Putt. Yep. I and mean, she would be awesome to have there. Uh, Keith Giles, okay. ooh, see, and um, you you shared some stuff with me. I need to get more into him. Um,
1: Adam, you know, it'd just
0: be fun yeah. to have
1: these people together. Um, Anthony, would be great to invite. Oh,
0: um, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Ooh, put these. Start writing these names down. Let's uh, let's work on this. This would be incredible. That would be a lot of fun. It would be uh, like around a campfire. I'll be over on my smoker smoking some food while we're having discussion. Okay, so it's gonna be a multi multi part event. Day
1: one, we're <laughs> yeah. gonna go salmon fishing. Yeah. Day two, Cody's grill. We'll smoke it. Yes. Day three. Eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, this could be great.
1: So I I think that'd be I think that'd be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: it so. would be. And actually, honestly, right here where you're talking fishing, there's lots of great spots for to host a. Uh,
1: well, and just think how much better it's going to be in the next several years when the dams are gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, it yeah. happen <laughs> I think it could happen.
1: Yeah, I I think it could. It'll be it'll be roughest on on your folks there and finding yep. out the alternatives, but. Well, it will. Um, I think, I think, uh, Clarkston and Lewiston could be the next great location for a salmon cannery.
0: Uh, uh, there you go.
1: <laughs> All Excellent. right. Tell you what, let's wrap things up.
0: Let's do it. We covered a lot of ground, covered a lot of ground, but, but only in the way you and I can. So, so in the
1: show notes, it'll probably just say we talked about lots of stuff.
0: We'll call it the ADHD episode.
1: Actually, we we kind of followed a, a semi rough outline. We kind <laughs> of did, did. We did. So. Yeah. So. Well done. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. Yeah. Good to catch up. It's so I weird. You don't have work. to go pick up the girls or do anything right now.
0: That's right. Wow. You're a free I man. <laughs> I do need to go fold laundry.
1: <laughs> I love it. Freedom.
0: Kinda, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna finish working on my taxes.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, ah! Thank goodness for the extension because we got to do some work on that too. Yeah, that that's
1: uh, yeah. It's definitely thank you for the extension. So, all
0: right, all right, buddy. Oh, yes. I in, uh, oh wait. I was gonna tell you the or the the convention. I'm gonna try to get there. I was. Uh, oh, oh, I'm yeah. Known about uh, it for a long time because it's he's. Opened it up to the students a long time ago, but
1: that's what I was figuring. Yeah,
0: yeah. Got to try to get there. it's, it's Yellowstone? Was it Yellowstone? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, targee the Targe area, close to Yellowstone. Yep.
1: Oh, so it's in. Oh, so it's in Idaho.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Does it include awesome. fishing? He does have days built in. There's time to built in. So.
1: Because one of the one of the consultants I used to work with. Um, would have a week in the Yellowstone area and it would be fishing in the day, theological conversations at night.
0: That's amazing. He does have a um, component built in. You can go with him and he'll do his, uh, he does a on hands in the moment uh, lessons on his photography stuff and, you know, finding God in nature while doing the photography stuff. Well, let me
1: tell you a secret because Carla doesn't listen to the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> so my 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 dad had gotten into uh, hobby photography in mm-hmm. his retirement, and he was he was actually getting quite good at, at wildlife photography. And even when he was not photographing very much anymore, I think it was probably 2010. He bought the state of the art uh, Nikon digital um, SLR, which mm-hmm. is still a really great camera. Oh yeah, and years ago. Carla enjoyed uh, hobby photography. And uh, and so for quite a while, she was using, we had a Pentex you know, SLR and she was using that and, and doing some things. So part of one of the things she'll be inheriting from my dad is his camera stuff.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And uh, what would be super awesome is to go to that uh, conference. Yes. Both they Carla and I go.
0: Yeah, they have options for couples. So that, that would
1: be that would great. Because, until stuff. you mentioned that photo thing, the only couple that I thought is, hey, you and I could share a room. But <laughs> sorry, It <laughs> <laughs> not have, Carla,
0: yeah, heck yeah,
1: so that'd be awesome. I think we might look into that.
0: Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Do it, yes.
1: Oh hey, by the way, in case you didn't I'll know, Carla and I had a great conversation with Tom on our podcast. Oh, did you really? Yeah. So we talked, oh. You know, what is the what are you know how does the theology of love and open relational theology fit with the image of God? Discussion. So it was I fun. I had a good time answer. talking with him.
0: Oh, cool.
1: So, well all done. Right. We'll okay. In touch. We'll talk some more next week. See ya. Bye, See ya. all Bye. our
0: listeners. <laughs> Bye, John. Bye, Tulu. <laughs> it?
1: Who was I just imitating?
0: Tulu. Uh, I don't know.
1: Okay. Here's another thing.
0: Utsisakima Oh 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 um. Oh, what's her name? Emmy. Yes, yeah, Emmy, Emmy Cook or Emmy, uh, what is her name? <laughs> yeah, Emmy, yeah. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Talk okay. to you later. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye.
1: Hello, this is Craig from the All That's Holy Blue Collar podcast without my counterpart, Cody, but, you know, keeping things uh, – kind of alliterative with the consonants, we have Christine with us. So no Cody, but we got a Christine and she can also fill in some of the Wesleyanism bit and she can talk a little bit more about her own uh, background. Uh, I discovered Christine through a Google search when I was looking for some ideas or some research or what's the conversation about what are we going to do when church goes back to quote unquote normal. I hate the word normal. I try not to use it. But when we when we move out of this pandem- pandemic uh, online church phase, and Christine uh, did a, a, a survey, oh, almost a year ago, nine months ago at least, yeah, um, when the pandemic was still kind of fresh, asking several questions and had a really nice wide distribution of of responses from different uh, traditions and, and churches. And so I want to get into that in a little bit. And that was just a, I was, it was like a, a treasure, to, treasure to find on the internet that, you know, people have already been thinking about this. And uh, so we'll, we'll get into that. But Christine, go ahead and introduce yourself and say a little bit about who you are and, and what you happen to be doing uh, these days.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Canadian from the center of the universe, which would be Manitoba, Winnipeg, capital city here. Um, my background is Mennonite Brethren. So from the Anabaptist tradition, the Mennonite brethren would be on the slightly more pietistic side of the Mennonite spectrum. Um, What have I been doing with my life? I've been going back and forth between pastoring and teaching. Um, Found that was a very nice combination. So right now I'm at Canadian Mennonite University in Winnipeg and I teach in the area of worship and worship music so yeah um, so are you
1: a musician also are you or is your a choral or what, I, what kind I, of music?
2: that's where i began this journey for sure i began as a, a violinist i did all my undergrad stuff in violin performance and really had my sights set on getting into orchestral music spent a couple summers with the national youth orchestra of canada and that type of stuff but i got waylaid somewhere along the way i was This was back in the 80s and my denomination was in the midst of the arguments over hymns versus choruses and that was just beginning to consume us and I just didn't get it. I just I didn't understand why we were arguing about two good things. Um, And one of of my profs said to me, he said, you know, we're going to need people who are going to be able to help us navigate this path liturgically and figure out how, how we do this well. And I, I suddenly got the feeling like maybe that's me. And and so God kind of kept uh, tapping on the door for a few years and I decided I really needed to study in the area of worship and liturgical studies. And that wasn't really offered among Mennonite brethren, our seminary, which was in Fresno.
1: Anabaptists at that time generally didn't have anything on liturgy.
2: No, no, Uh, and certainly not Mennonite Brethren. Right. Uh, So then I had heard lots of people say good things about um, Perkins School of Theology, United Methodist in Dallas, Texas. (laughs) Um, and also this was a time when nobody was hiring anybody to be working in worship. It just wasn't done, right? You got volunteers and Mennonites are really good at the music thing. So you never need to hire people. There's just like too many of them in the congregation. And already. they're not always
1: great at hiring people. Yeah, it's no, like, well, there's no, that too. We, we don't need a specialist. <laughs> we can wing it, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
2: yeah. So then the idea of going somewhere that had a really strong choral tradition so I could do a masters of music um, while I was studying liturgy, it was not the greatest um, trust in God's direction, in my life because I thought I'll do both just in case one doesn't work out. I'll do both. Oh, you did
1: two masters at the same time.
2: I did. Yeah, I did. They had a great course. um, Well, a great course in in, uh, choral conducting, which I did with uh, Dr. Lloyd Fouch at the time, who was quite the name back then. Um, And then also uh, studying in worship and liturgical studies in the Masters of um, Sacred Music program there. So, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was my trying to figure out my way around this. Anyway, landed up in this field and it just I really haven't uh, changed directions. This has been where I feel God wants me to be. So,
1: So did you grow up in Manitoba?
2: Uh, born in Ontario, grew up a little bit in BC, and then most of my life in Manitoba. Oh, so
1: you just kind of yeah. split the difference.
2: Yeah, exactly. Somewhere <laughs> in the middle.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah. So Winnipeg is one of those places that most people don't. I should I should say I, Americans have a very very. Um, oh, what's the word I want to say? Geocentric. Everything revolves around <laughs> the United States, and and most people don't even know where Winnipeg is, and. It's one of those things I try to tell people, well, if you're an AA Milne fan and you like Winnie the Pooh, you should know where Winnipeg is. Yeah. And most people don't even get that. So I just want to, I I don't want to answer the question for them. I want to make them look.
2: There you go. Yeah. But, well, so, we're considered Western Canada, but we're really kind of dead center. So you're kind
1: of, you're kind of Northern, Northern uh, Duluth or Northern Chicago. I'm not sure how to yeah. describe it for US folk. So. Yeah,
2: that's about it
1: and the home of some really good hockey players
2: yeah absolutely
1: so uh sometimes we end up talking about sports on our on our podcast and i'm trying to get cody to appreciate hockey and uh,
2: (laughs) is that uh, working out
1: yeah he's just not getting it yeah i (laughs) i don't really understand it but it's such a fun game to watch i really enjoy that yeah and so i i it, we, we were trying to get find somebody who knew uh, Jonathan Taves, so we could get him on to talk about Winnipeg Mennonite Church, where he I don't know if he still goes there, but he had been going.
2: Yeah, and what's I know. That, what it's
1: like to be kind of the executioner on the ice, but be you know raised with a peace of the. yeah, <laughs> would be a
2: good interview.
1: <laughs> so, so then, uh, did you say you you've done pastoral ministry? You've been in pastoral ministry? Yeah,
2: yeah, here in Winnipeg Mennonite Brethren Church, which is still my home congregation, actually.
1: So is is the Mennonite Brethren uh, relationship with women in ministry different than the U.S.? I mean, when, when I was pastoring in Kansas, uh, we had Mennonite Brethren congregations nearby. I was just about oh, 10 miles south of Tabor College okay, where I was pastoring. And whenever I'd go on vacation or at a conference meeting or something out of town, Katie Funk Weeby, uh-huh. Um, I, I'd always invite her to to preach, uh, do, to do the pulpit, uh, to fill the pulpit for me. Okay. And she would always say, I'm so happy because I get to preach, but I don't get to do it in my home congregation. Yeah. Is it a different experience in Canada for women in, in uh, pastoral ministry?
2: Increasingly so. Yeah, increasingly so. We still have pockets um, where that's um, not easy to do, but certainly that's not the case in Manitoba or... Mm-hmm. Ontario, are um, more conservative edges in BC. So you'll get more of those voices there. But really? right now our official policy is that all positions are open to women. But if you've got real issues with that, nobody's gonna come down on you hard type of thing. But the official position is yes, it's open.
1: Okay, that's interesting. That's And I would imagine, especially if it's like a specialized ministry or oriented toward worship or music, it has those a Those are easier, yeah, yeah,
2: those are easier. But my congregation has had women pastors since 1992 we are one of the first we tend to be the black sheep of the canadian mb conference (laughs) oh yeah um but it's yeah it's been a a wide open for us here so we still don't have tons of women who are in pastoral ministry but uh certainly the possibility is there in a way it wasn't 20 years ago
1: you know i i think the experience of many congregations or many denominations is when those doors open up, it takes almost a generation to get kind of the supply in the pi- pipeline.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, for those who are, you know, still young, having the thought that, oh, yeah, maybe I can do that.
2: This could be me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You
1: know, otherwise, yeah, I mean, there's always time for second career, those other options, but I think there's that time in the pipeline kind of thing. It takes a while for it to, yeah. to trickle up. Does that work? I don't know. That's anti gravitational. So. <laughs> So, now um this is probably too Mennonite in my world maybe you know Cody wouldn't ask this kind of question but what's what's the Mennonite story for you uh, you know we play this game the name game among Anabaptists and Longhurst sounds like a good yeah. British name or something or German yeah. even
2: uh, it's um, British yeah okay British. yeah well I grew up at a time when you got married you just took your husband's name right okay. So that happened to me too Although uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience because even that summer we were married in August decades ago, and uh, and I was the uh, my maiden name is Epp, E P.
1: Okay, that may, okay there we go. Yeah, good, <laughs> <a> good maiden <Manate laughs> name.
2: Yeah, and my dad's longtime pastor in the Mennonite Brethren Church and all of that. But I got married, became a Longhurst from August 29th to August thirtieth. And there was a write-up in uh, our our Mennonite brethren Herald, our local Herald, um, which was talking about um, the Mennonite Community Orchestra of which I was concert um, master, and uh, just there was a paragraph in there that said, "So what if there are non-Mennonites playing in the Mennonite Community Orchestra, like Longhurst and Mead and." I thought to myself, well, there it is. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it's, wait. <laughs> it's two months and I have become the great unwashed. But uh, yeah, among Mennonite brethren, that's um, Mennonite church tends to be very much more, you know, Dirksen, Friesen, uh, Weeby, et cetera, et cetera. But um, Mennonite brethren, if you look at our directories, they're filled with Longhurst types now, yeah.
1: And i, I, I that was our experience in Kansas as well as the Mennonite brethren churches. It, to me, it, it looked like there was a greater, uh, ability to bring people in from outside the, the, those, those main families, you know, it's like, yeah. there was a, there were a larger number of those quote unquote, non Mennonite names. And yeah. I really hate using that terminology because I've got a non Mennonite name. Yeah. You know, uh, they always tried to turn mine into Martin. It's like, no, I'm not a Martin, <laughs> more a Martins. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We've gotten better at it. I mean, when I was younger, it was still quite ethnic. Um, but uh, that those, those doors have opened up significantly now. Yeah.
1: So one of the things, so like, as I, as I was saying earlier, the reason your, your name popped up is because I was doing this Google search, trying to figure out, gosh, what's going to happen after the pandemic mm-hmm. and, and churches move from online and transition to you know, live on site kinds of things. And I'd had a number of conversations already with a number of pastors and church folk, you know, some church folk who said, I'm not going to go back to church. I enjoy, you know, not doing anything on a Sunday morning and just turning on the, the computer and we can have a live service and I can just be on my sofa in my pajamas. And then when it's done, I can watch football, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and then I've had conversations with pastors who have said they um, they, they've gotten all this tech uh, savvy that they didn't have a year ago. And they think they're going to continue using it. Yeah. And they don't really uh, look forward to having to arrange chairs, print out bulletins, uh, you know, manage the building and all those kinds of uh, activities. And then others have said, well, the only reason I'd really want to get together to have community as church people is either to celebrate birthdays, weddings, parties, just for the heck of it, or to do community service, do something that's good for others rather than just being there to look at each other. And I th- thought it was interesting, there was this, you know, what is what's it going to look like after this uh shutdown is 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 done and I I think it's up in the air. So that's when I was Google searching and I found yeah. your research. And a couple of things, one is um what was the motivation that got you started on it? And two, um What questions did you not ask or did you after you got it done, do you think, oh, I wish I would have dug into that or or a lot of times after uh, like a a qualitative study like this, you know, if it's like a peer reviewed research piece, there's always uh, questions for further study, you know, like, yeah, it just it usually gets the researchers mind flowing and it's like gosh I I want to study this next thing so so tell us a little bit about the origin of the study Uh, the title of the study is worship in a time of pandemic a survey of congregational worship practices and I'll put a link on the write-up for the podcast episode
2: yeah what got me started um well first off last year was a sabbatical year for me and and i had major sabbatical projects so that certainly kept me busy but i i when it when we started moving this way and and i'm part of a group of other um worship pastors in the city there's about a dozen 15 of us that get together regularly and so we are comparing stories and i could see how frenetic they were trying to figure out what was going on it just really got me interested about why different churches were choosing the approaches they were like why would you choose live streaming or or pre-recorded rather than zoom you know what was your intent or i've always been consumed with with issues of why we worship the way we do right um, and why we're satisfied with some of the patterns i see in worship that i don't think are particularly effective at all um so for me i thought wow, what a great opportunity this <laughs> is for us to rethink how we're doing things, you know, to, to say, okay, let's pare this down to the absolute essentials. What is essential when we gather together, right? I thought people would be doing that kind of creative um, brainstorming, but mostly it was just this, um, this is fascinating era. I want to see uh, what people are choosing to do. I want to know what the, um, what the issues are. I want to see whether or not the the approach to worship you take affects what's possible in worship so to compare what are you doing in worship with what approach you've taken does pre-recorded mean that there are some things that you are just giving up that you know obviously haven't felt as important to you like what are those things so that was really what was what was in my mind um and i have the re-worship blog so it's like a easy Um, audience a diverse audience both geographically and and uh, denominationally so and
1: i've been using reworship for off and on for a number of years
2: cool
1: and and it wasn't until i clicked onto this to look at you know the about the author ah and i went oh canadian menina university i know folks there (laughs) uh it's like huh okay so
2: yeah small world yeah (laughs) so that was it it was just curiosity uh and and i guess what what questions remain if I had time, I'm back to teaching now, but if I had time, my goodness, now is the time to do it again. Like now is the, what lessons did you learn, you know? Right. Or what shifts, what what would you do different when you get back in? Or like you were saying, what is the effect on overall attendance gonna be? Because that fascinates me. Will people come back?
1: I have a friend who has a church in uh, Portland. And his, his, his congregation, uh, when he got there, it was probably about 30 people. It was a really small congregation, UCC, uh, and it was, a, it was an aging congregation. But with his style of community outreach, and they had grown to probably, I think maybe 50 or 60 people, and then the pandemic came. So they were kind of on this growth uh, trajectory, but he just kept the same type of community outreach, Except, took it all online with TikTok, Twitter, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and if I don't, if I if I understand correctly, his church attendance now is probably triple, you know, wow. of what it was pre-pandemic. But the people who are par- participating are from all over the world. Yeah, you know, they they will never show up at his door, no. <laughs> most no. likely. Yeah. But they're contributing, they're they're using they're using links to contribute to the church budget because they appreciate what 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 uh the church is, stands for. Um so yeah, this thing has changed a lot of our assumptions even about what does it mean to get together.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it really has. I I think personally that that there have been some incredible opportunities over this last year. I'm not sure that we're actually taking advantage of it uh when i was reading through responses and and most of the survey was what are you doing check this box what do you right. doing? Ch- You know check but the the gold were the the comments that people added you know do you have anything else to add or you know and, and normally but when you do a survey you get to the end and that's the last thing you want to do is write exactly. something exactly. down but there was tons of comments i mean 604 responses i would say the majority of people added something right and See, that's
1: that, that is really significant just as a researcher yeah Because that means people were were you know because yeah there is this level of exhaustion at certain points of the survey you just want to click through and get it done get
2: it done yeah and
1: yeah. so people were invested they felt like this is touching something personal for them they w- really wanted to share something
2: they did and sometimes it made me want to cry i remember um I was sitting last summer, I was sitting on the back porch here and I was reading through things and I was just overwhelmed by the number of people who said, I don't know how much longer I can go on. I'm the only one. I can't even take vacation because there's nobody else to do it. And then I went back to my blog and I, I actually put on the sidebar, I put a lot of us are really struggling. We right. need to remember one another in prayer or whatever. Cause I, I was just overwhelmed by the the emotion and i wondered you know um since they were saying so much just on this survey right on a blog you know did they have people to talk to like was this their way of just saying i need help right it was it was heartbreaking um but i i noticed that there and, were And real... when you're
1: saying people are you talking about the the kind of the average congregant or no leaders this be, or this
2: this is their <laughs> the, the blog really appeals to people who are leading worship so it tends to be pastors and um long-time worship leaders um right. it's, the most of the responses i got um were coming from pastors in this survey uh just judging by the responses and <laughs> most of the the congregations represented in this survey were people with a hundred or fewer attendees so I think about two thirds of the people who responded right. were coming from smaller congregations, which doesn't surprise me, right. because those congregations would probably be the ones that would reach out to my blog regularly. You know, people who don't have lots of people working in worship or whatever. that yeah,
1: I, I I don't know if the Canadian uh, statistics are are similar to the United States, but I would assume North America in general is kind of shares the sim- you know these similarities that uh, something like eighty percent of all congregations are uh, like less than 100 people i think it's like the number is maybe the average congregation in the united states is actually like 62 people or something like that
2: yeah that's the sense i got really you know that even though the bigger churches get the attention
1: right right there
2: are thousands and thousands of these smaller churches that are just plugging along you know seeking to be faithful and do the best with whatever they've got right so i was That was that was quite something. That makes but,
1: it really difficult for the smaller church, especially if the pastor alone or a worship leader, whoever it is, has to pull together the online presence.
2: Yeah, uh, because
1: yeah, the larger churches can do it with a little bit of polish.
2: Yep, they can hire they somebody can get, to do all the tech stuff, right? And
1: they're seen, and they're the ones who set the standard. Yeah, which becomes really un, unrealistic. Totally,
2: um, totally. Yeah. No, and so for these pastors now to have to totally adjust everything. Can't get together with people to do the music or get a worship band in right. or something, right? And have to then learn the tech stuff. I mean, they just, yeah. back this, the survey was um, most of May, right? May 3rd to June 3rd right. of yeah. 2020. They were just still overwhelmed. Like, I don't know how to do this. Or then the rural church is saying, we don't even need, we don't even have the internet to support what we're right. doing. So, right. Yeah. But there One were the, two. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. There were were two kind of approaches to this. On the one hand, you had um, the people who were just completely overwhelmed, right? Saying, Mm -hmm. oh, we got to get back to normal as soon as possible. I can't keep this up. We're just hanging in there. Just get this pandemic over. And then there were the other people who were like, energized by this, right? How yep. can we make this work? Uh, what can we learn about ourselves, right? Or what what might God be doing? Or what kind of gifts are going to come out of this? I, I They were so yes. clear there, right? I'm yes. sure that's a personality thing, but I was fascinated by that.
1: So you do mention that in, in the reports, those, those two different uh, sides. And it made me wonder, um, there was somewhere else in the report that made me, I just jotted a note, marginal note, spiritual discernment. How mm. do you do spiritual discernment through zoom, you know, is it the same as being in person where you pick up on a lot more body cues and kind of the sense of the room, but that very thing about being tired of this and feeling burned out and overwhelmed, as opposed to God's doing a new thing among us, what, what new thing is getting born? Those are spiritual discernments that I've been curious. How do we, make that happen in an online platform like this yes absolutely and I, I don't know if you've seen that happen or had experience with kind no, of discernment no, meetings and
2: i have not uh, at all during the pandemic have you done any of that
1: nope no and for me it would have been something that i would have done uh previous to pandemic because as a church consultant i would do that a lot i mean yeah. working with congregations we'd regularly have that kind of question
2: yeah
1: and we would process it but uh, since the pandemic, all the consulting stuff shut down pretty much. Yeah,
2: no kidding. Um,
1: but um, yeah, so that's just a curious thing. That's curious about. There's more to learn about this online processing than we've we've not tapped it to the full yet.
2: No, I don't think so. I, I think we're at the start of something, something else. I don't know what it's going to turn into, but. Uh to me uh, this is something that energizes me now i'm not in the pastoral role trying to cope with how do we pull this off sunday to sunday that's different but i look at this and i think you know what's in fact my (laughs) my husband and i had a list on the fridge for the first few months of the pandemic prophesying in a non-spiritual way about (laughs) about the really significant changes like what is this going to bring we just had such a lot of fun um brainstorming the significant societal shifts we thought we would see at the end of this. And I suspect we underestimated <laughs> what's all gonna happen.
1: The the um it's and that that's when it was fresh. Now we're looking at the possibility of you know things opening up. Do you still have those same kind of questions? Do you see those being implemented perhaps or whatever those new ways or possibilities might be?
2: I have to say that from my perspective, I think And I can't speak for all churches because, like, I need to do another survey to see where we're at now. But from what I'm seeing in my little world here and from what I see online, I think the church missed some huge opportunities. I think we... (laughs) I think we just did everything we could to keep things stable we just think so, yeah. you know, how how can we take what we always did right. and just do the best we can in a virtual platform that's that's the yep, sense yep. I've got right
1: and and very much I feel like that's what what I have done so my wife and I co pastor a, a church that was in the process of replanting itself so we had a core group
2: oh spring
1: of 2020 was going to be our big you know kind of like moving things and start doing our community outreach and some missional uh, experimentation. And it was all going to be, ta-da, let's just jump out there. It's <laughs> like, shut things down. And so everything's been kind of just holding us together. Yeah. But but now I'm thinking, okay, things are opening up. Can we pick up the energy that was there over a year ago and transition it? Or is there even something from what we've learned over this last year yeah, that we can... Take with us and, and move in a new direction. I would say the hardest the hardest thing is as a co vocational pastor. So I I coach track I teach at uh, University of Dubuque and College of Western Idaho, and then I pastor. What else do I do? Oh, wow. I consult. I was doing consulting while that was working. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, so I'm juggling all these things, and for me, it's just easier to do what we had been doing yeah. on a Zoom platform. Yeah, you know, I don't have time to sit down and pre-record a sermon. Mm-hmm. So I just do a, a sermon on Zoom. We're an acapella singing congregation, only because we don't have enough musical talent to do otherwise. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. But <laughs> acapella just doesn't sound right on Zoom.
2: No, <laughs> music generally is an uphill battle. Yeah,
1: and music, music is definitely an uphill battle. So we've used pre-recorded worship or pre-recorded music with, you know, all the, you know, CCLI permissions for digital platform and all that kind of stuff uh, for streaming. And yeah. so we've, that was a, that was a little bit of a headache trying to figure out what can we present legally, you know, yeah. even though we're not going to get caught, we just want to do it right. yeah And then getting some permissions from some other musicians that we know. And so we just watch and listen to a really good worship song. Mm -hmm. And I notice on Zoom, people are singing and they're moving to the music. It's okay. You're you're participating, you know? Yeah. So it's really hard, but I don't have the time to like, okay, we're going to get a few people together. We're going to sing a four part, four parts for this new song. And then we're going to play that video that the layers of planning for small churches is really difficult.
2: Is huge. And I kind of
1: saw that in the, in the, in, in your survey results is that the size of the church made a huge difference on the, methods that they used in their presentation.
2: Yeah, it seemed much easier for large urban congregations just to do a snazzy pre-recorded thing, right? Using their own musicians, right? They'd get a band in or whatever. And yeah, yeah that was the, the predominant uh, way for larger uh, urban congregations. That said, I didn't get a ton of responses from the over 500 churches. So that those are can't be representative results because who knows, right? um and that's probably
1: yeah, a good yeah. caveat you know to say that those are that are larger than that because my experience churches over 500 are there are a nation to themselves yeah and they, it's not that they don't care what others think they just are so much involved in their own world that they don't do surveys yeah. they don't they're not involved with a lot of other things they just got their own stuff going on
2: no and they they also tend to be evangelical congregations that look on uh worship elements differently you know don't tend to do well, they do prayers of intercession, they just don't call them prayers of intercession, but they don't do calls to worship in the same right. way or whatever. Right. So then they don't tend to, to use my, my blog either, which That's is true. why the, the. That's the entree the into
1: are, this. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. So yeah i mean it's hard to fault anybody for just hanging on just doing what they've been doing right i know one church here in the city literally did not change a thing the order of worship the length of the service the length of the sermon they just did exactly what people would have gotten if they had come to church? They just said, "We need stability. We're not changing anything." I mean, it's pre-recorded um, right. for the most part, right? Um, whereas many of the rest of us have shortened this or done less of this or or whatever to just you know make it, I don't know, more palatable, easier. You don't want to sit in front of Zoom or or the computer too much. I'm not sure. So <laughs> it, it's really hard to to fault anybody, but I found myself wishing early on. Um, that we would have, we would have been a little bit more experimental. That we would have asked some of the deeper questions, you know, uh, about worship music. Um, right. Yeah. Because we worship music for many of us is still the most challenging issue, and in many of our congregations, it's it's taken over our understanding of worship. And and you know, if you take the music away. I would say this in workshops all the time, you know, if you took the music out of your service, what would you do instead? And most people couldn't answer that question. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We'd we'd preach, they'd say, you know, but but beyond that, the kind of repertoire of, of the, the dialogue of worship just kind of seemed to be missing. Most of us just sing for a while and then we hear the right. sermon and then, you know, so uh, I was thinking- But in fact,
1: yeah, they're, they're, you, you, the, the the music sometimes in some churches is used as a buffer like a commercial break to the next thing rather than an element of worship to enhance yeah. or to restate or to transition
2: yeah yeah uh, or to, to to further that dialogue right, right. Like it's it's seen as a sort of something to itself so given the difficulties of using music and the fact that people may enjoy listening to it but most people i know we do zoom in my congregation most people i do are not singing along to whatever the few people that are singing are you know are actually doing we're mostly observing it now and i thought this is a perfect opportunity to say okay maybe we use more recorded music but instead of that big package of music what what do we do instead what do we augment right but i haven't seen much of that creative thinking not in my circles and that that was sad to me
1: that's a that's a that sounds like a place where pre-pandemic post-pandemic to ask the question what is the purpose of the different aspects of our liturgy you know what because you know as a pastor sometimes what's the purpose of a call to worship that we read together well it's to wake people up and say now it's time to be involved you know it's kind of it's almost less of a um spiritual prayer and more of an alarm clock you know (laughs) it's time to stop chit-chatting and time to start the worship service which isn't the most sacred um way to describe that element of worship and then we're so used to um listening to music and maybe singing when nobody else is around you know kind of in the house or in the car or whatever but sometimes i think we've lost some of that ability to think music is for our participation rather than our entertainment Yeah. Yeah, uh, preaching. You know, I, I try to do dialogical preaching, and I'll ask questions, and every once in a while I have to stop and say, "This is not a rhetorical question. You're supposed to respond." Okay, <laughs> you know. And, but you know, we people get into the lecture um mindset where it's it's an information dump. Just pour ideas into my head, and then we yeah. move on to the next thing. Yeah. It almost makes me think that the pandemic has highlighted the areas of worship, elements of worship that we probably should redefine. Yeah. Or or spend a little time talking about
2: yeah absolutely absolutely and and the the other thing i was really hoping for is, is that we would just take a step back. Like we've gotten so much into this entertainment model, presentational right. worship, programmatic worship, right? So somebody on the platform has prepared something and I come and take it in and I hope to be inspired or strengthened or w- encouraged or whatever, not bad things, but I don't think that the heart of what worship really is. And so I was thinking, especially in my Anabaptist tradition where we have put so much weight on First um, Corinthians 14, um right where it says when you meet together uh, one of you will sing and one will teach and one will bring a special revelation and and one will speak in tongues and another will interpret right, right, that, right. this sort of passionate multi-voiced stuart murray williams talks about yeah, yeah. A multi-voiced church right that kind of passionate worship isn't worship unless everyone is bringing something god has given them right and kate okay, zoom is perfect for that it's perfect for that it, it is
1: it is and yeah. yet I,
2: i've not seen a church pick that up i've just seen them sort of reinterpret what they usually That's did
1: That's a really good point
2: point. and i it, it it really okay and and then if 50 whatever two percent i forget um during the pandemic in my survey went with pre-recorded you know it is only exacerbating that idea that that you come and take in what has been presented to you so that that was disappointing and frustrating to me i and i i don't i'm not critiquing the live stream and the pre-recorded and i know that many many people were adding zoom foyer or zoom chat or um chats alongside to you know share or whatever like i mean they were doing their very best but it felt like an opportunity especially in smaller congregations to make worship once again dependent on what worshipers were bringing to it and i didn't see that happening a lot
1: yeah as you were describing that it reminded me of one of the early anabaptist uh leaders and i can't remember who which one it was is one of the german anabaptists um who stated, if you walk into a church and only one person speaks, it's proof that the spirit of God is not there. And it was meant to be a critique on the, on the, 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 the priests over the mass. Yeah. But, um, I think it just applies. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is a multi-voiced experience and the, I've seen, um, the, the Facebook live worship services where the, the chat can get going and, you know, that's, that's kind of nice to see. And if a question is asked, I've seen, a worship leader respond, you know, but it's still it, that question it's different on zoom. You've got, you see everybody's face. It's eye to eye potentially yeah, a yeah. face to face. And you can, you can ask those questions. You can interact. And, and yeah. it. I think part of it is maybe it's because it's a screen we're used to sitting in front of a television and not talking to it unless we're watching mm-hmm. a sporting event.
2: Yeah, uh, maybe. Although I have to say my engagement with other worshipers, on Zoom is a hundred times better than my engagement in a service when we're all sitting, uh, watching the back of each other's heads, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. there's something just so beautiful about that. I I expected, and I, I'd like to do this again, Now, uh, if I had time to ask some of the same questions again, because I expected that the Zoom experience would be significantly different than the live stream or pre recorded experience. I didn't, I saw some of that in the results. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there's more sharing and there's more um, testimonies and you know, some of the worship elements I picked at, but for the most part, they were pretty even, right? I'm wondering, you know, a year down the road or 10 months or whatever whether the experiences would have been different because what I'm beginning to hear from worship pastors in the city is, Oh, we spend so much time every week with the worship band, uh, pre-recording the music for our pre-recorded, whatever. And we just don't think people are participating. So why are we doing, like there's that level of frustration is building and building and building. So I I wonder how people are feeling now about, um, the, the approach they took to worship. Um, It really
1: would be interesting to have a look, Kind of looking back, kind of critique. Yeah, Um, you know, one of one of the fears is, you know, should this uh, way of doing church remain in our back pocket, ready to pull out when necessary? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's we we we're grateful that we've only had a pandemic like this once every hundred or so years, Uh, but yeah, um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Yeah. Or. Or even beyond that, one of the things that I liked about the section eight part of the, the study, you ask, uh, looking ahead, worship after COVID, one of the first bullet points, you say virtual, f- virtual forms of worship are here to stay. So maybe it doesn't even go into our back pocket.
2: I'm wondering, too.
1: So it, we, we go back into our worship setting, building, house, church, uh, whatever the setting. Do you think people are going to keep logging into zoom or facebook live uh, for those worship services and it's going to be pre-pandemic worship style but just now with an interactive Mm. audience at a distance or what do you think that might look like
2: you know that's a really good question i mean at the university we're doing hybrid classes so people have the choice we're one of the few universities that has stayed open pretty well the entire well We were shut down in spring last year and we had to shut down from the beginning of November until the end of January. That's where our waves were coming. Um, But we've been open now since the end of January. So uh, students gather in a classroom, everybody's distance, everybody's masked. Um, uh, But there's always a screen because both professors and students have the right to say, given my circumstances, I don't want to be um, with people. So um, there's always some. This is not a successful way to teach. Number one, I can't keep my mind on what I'm lecturing, how I'm interacting with the class. And then there are those people. And like, so it's really, really difficult. And I I wonder, even with our best intentions to be hybrid, um, how well we might do that. I, I suspect... Like our congregation on Zoom has people coming in from all over the world every Sunday. Um, past church members, um, you know, in Amsterdam and Germany and South Africa or whatever. And um, and people in Ontario that just have discovered our church and it's felt like home for the last 10 months mm. or whatever. Um, will those people go back to their own churches? I suspect most of them will. I, I really do. I think I think the the hybrid experience won't be anything like seeing... 150 screens you know on zoom it'll be everybody in church worshiping and then maybe there's a feed for me to see you know you'll feel really um detached from that so i'm not sure how that would work but i look at all the fabulous things that have happened with um with that interactivity and the the tech i think of our shut-ins my dad's 94. um i think i suspect they will continue to have a live streaming going Mm -hmm. i'm not sure how much he will get to church so um yeah i i think that there will be elements of that um and from what i read even last may in the survey there are some congregations who say no we're just going to keep this up we're not ever going back to a building That is already (laughs) two months in right so i suspect some of them will do that I mean, people say there's no way we can go back to not having this, but I wonder what will really happen, whether that's possible or not. I don't know.
1: Was there any comment um, about the the negative impact of doing church online in whatever format, whatever venue, whatever, yeah, whatever format, post-pandemic now people well, we, we really enjoyed online so much, we're not going to show up or we're yeah. afraid there's going to be a drop-off. Um, we're going to go back to the way things were and we're we're pretty sure we're going to miss something.
2: Yeah. Uh, nobody back then, uh, I have to go back and reread some of the comments, but I don't think people were in a place to be thinking You're much thinking about that. Far that. In, that's true. They didn't
1: know when the end was.
2: They really do not I mean, we all kind of hoped it was September, but that didn't work out so well. Um, yeah. But will we? Will there be a drop in attendance? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I think the, I think the patterns, people's patterns. You do this for a year where you don't have to get up on a Sunday morning and go to or whenever. Yeah. I think it's going to be very different, and. Um, People have been tuning into amazing services all around the world, right? It's not just—I mean, our local congregations are competing with these things, right. and I, I think enough people will keep their live streaming or pre-recorded going that people can pick and choose whatever they want. Um, the thing that that I hear most, even amongst the people I know and that go to my church, um, and like you were saying before, people miss the—they miss the people, they miss the celebrations, they. Um, they, they they miss the interacting more than they miss the worship. That's right. the truth of it. They don't miss the sermons. They don't sometimes miss the singing. They don't miss the liturgy, which is one of those reasons why I was hoping we would stand back for a while and, and ask, Okay, what if this is really working for people? Like, right. and what is not, and what what can we do so that people, when they come to worship, feel as though they have encountered the spirit of God, and they they feel like they've listened to God rather than this program or whatever. Right. Um, I'm not sure we've made moves in in that direction. I
1: it, that would be interesting to figure out. Well, how do we how do we turn that corner? How do we make that meaningful? Because early on in the pandemic, <clears throat> I remember uh, Roman Catholics trying to figure out how do we do eucharist oh yeah and it was it, you know because they, they couldn't do it at home as they understood it because it has to go through this uh traditional uh practice uh in the mass and and it's not just something you take and do by yourself i mean yeah. anabaptists have a whole different view on that Yeah, we certainly do <laughs> um, but and i i appreciated that but what was interesting it was the worship was essential for the Roman Catholic to continue practicing their faith. Yeah, whereas yeah. others we'd go, well, it's, you know, it's optional, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. As long as I can find a way to be inspired and remember God and pray, you know, I mean, right, that's, uh, right. take a walk outside in nature arguments. Right. So, yeah.
1: And I don't know if that's a shortcoming in theology hmm. uh, where we haven't accurately understood. Maybe we don't use the language, the sacrament of the community perhaps, and yeah. how important it is to have those interactions with each other. I don't know. But, yeah, uh,
2: well, a large part of that is just the, our individualism, right? Like, we're right. we're centered in our own needs. And if we can get our needs met some other way, well, you know, why do I need the church? Right. Yeah, I don't know what the future is, but I, I think it's going to be tough to convince people this is something important to do. I think there'll be a big uptick at the beginning when people are allowed. Right. i think you know yay we're back you know that'd be great and then i wondered like three months after that what what it will actually look like but i'm just guessing i don't know i know that some of our churches depending on when we're opening and and closing i think we're a fairly bit a, a lot stricter than many places in the united states we've been more closed than open uh, over the past year so we have my church had uh, two weeks in september when we were allowed to have I don't know 10% or 15% or something Um, uh, but then we're back we we just decided we're not being a good example to the community and that we should all whatever Um, so we're we're totally shut now I think we're back to you can maybe have 25% of people starting last weekend or something but many churches people aren't interested they're just saying, well, why? Like, you know, it's easier to stay home and see everybody's face than to be the 25% who signed up to come.
1: That's right. We, well, we live, I live in a state, Idaho, which is, which is um, libertarian to the core and cannot get people to wear a mask. You can't tell me what to do. That kind of thing. Well, if you, if you think it's dangerous to go out in public, then don't go out in public. You can't restrict it. And that's the conversation in our state. Cody, is in Washington, where Washington State, even though it's just on the border, in fact, he lives on the border, is much more, we're going to take advantage of the science and listen to what the yeah. State Board of Health has to say and follow the regulations. And the way it is in the United States has been so um, patchwork quilt. Yeah. But we haven't really had a comprehensive, well, we've had a comprehensive strategy for the last 100, oh, not quite 100 days, for the last couple of months. Uh, but but it's hard to for yeah, people yeah. to accept it and and, and grow into it.
2: Yeah. So we have
1: a different battle, I think, probably south of the border than, than you may have north of the border. But on the, in my yeah. mind, though, Alberta is a lot like like Idaho. Um, <laughs> Alberta and I don't know if,
2: some parts of Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah
1: right. So,
2: yeah, um, it's been um, a challenge.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, there's that whole political side to it, too, that I know, so we, it's really we had met in person for a time. And we were doing hybrid uh, services, but then it got to the point where we thought, you know, this isn't a, probably a good example. You know, we mm-hmm. probably need to do what's right rather than what's convenient for us. It's easier to meet face to face, but no, let's let's go back. And yeah. we're looking at using Easter as our as our coming out party, so to speak. Okay. Um, we've got infection rates down. We've got everybody in our in our core group is is vaccinated because of their professions. Oh, good. Uh, We're in education and uh, or if we're not doing education, we're involved in um, service work that that gets a vaccination. So we have a number of people who work with homeless folks. Okay. And so that's that's kind of that's kind of nice, but it still meets this group that's uh, still exclusive. Um, It's it's like, well, if you don't have a shot, I don't know, maybe Uh, I know you you can sit over (laughs) there in the corner So I do think there's some challenges, you know, once we get back to normal, normal won't be normal. No. And, um, you know, are we willing to create that new sense of normality? I, I do think it sounds like a great opportunity to do a follow-up study.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I keep thinking, oh, I wish I had time. So we'll
1: maybe you need to find somebody, uh, you know, a sociologist there at the university and the two of you sit together and like, okay, here's what we did. And because sociologists do this stuff in their sleep, I think. They you do. Know.
2: Yeah. They do. When and I was working
1: there... on when I was working on my doctorate, I was fortunate to know uh, somebody who was a research social psychologist. That was her specialty, and so I did all the questions, and I just handed handed all the data off to her. Hey, can you run the stats for me? And oh wow, did miracle work. It was beautiful.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a gift.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So when things go back to the next phase, when things go to the reopening phase, or that, what what are some words other than normal to use?
2: Yeah. Uh, that's a good question.
1: When we get into the next chapter of this experience,
2: yeah,
1: um, I hope somebody takes time to compare a few months down the road with what people were experiencing at this time or a few months ago. Yeah, so we can take that. Uh, look back and go okay is this uh, new world that we've entered after uh, pandemic is it is it trying to recreate what was pre-pandemic or did we learn something in the pandemic that we're actually carrying forward
2: yeah yeah I think that would be fascinating I have no doubt that uh, our newfound uh, technical expertise is going to play a huge role here I'm just not quite sure to what extent.
1: Yeah. It seems like it'd be very odd to take all that stuff that we've learned and then just Drop put it, it on the shelf. Yeah. yeah,
2: I don't think yeah. that will happen. I, I can tell you, a, we had a wonderful experience one Sunday <laughs> on zoom. Uh, one of the people who joined our congregation um, um, like we never seen them before, but they, they came um, had a heart attack in fall. And so. We prayed for him uh, one Sunday and the second Sunday after it happened, someone was giving an update on his condition so that we could pray for him again. And suddenly he said, oh, I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) And there he was in the intensive care unit. Oh, my. The health science center downtown. And he just said, you know, thank you for your prayers. I'm I'm doing much better. Like I just thought in what other world yes because you pray an entirely different way when you're in the hospital room with this patient right sitting right. there on your zoom i just thought now here's an example of the possibility of yes. continuing this kind of tech and how that, you do that when you're in a service i don't know but, but uh, that is so awesome
1: because that means yep. i mean could you imagine how many people we've prayed for who are in hospitals or at a distance and we don't know how they're doing but they're they're there hey i'm here
2: Yep. And not only can we see them, but they can hear us pray for them, right? right. Like that was just extraordinary. And I thought, okay, take note people, because right. that's something you got to find a way to keep.
1: When I was serving in a church in, in Pennsylvania, <clears throat> we thought it was really, you know, cutting edge technology when we, during our worship service, had a dialogue with a missionary in, I don't know where they were. Uh, I think, you know, some some part of the continent of Africa. And we just, you know, hooked the telephone lines through the PA system and we could hear a conversation, you know, um, I thought that was cutting edge. That was really, though, kind of like the description of the, the person in ICU. I mean,
2: yeah,
1: the 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 building does not need to be a barrier to conversations outside the building.
2: Exactly. Whether it
1: be in hospitals, missionaries, people in other parts of the country, yeah. uh, folks are on our prayer list.
2: No, exactly right. And I I think to myself, most churches I know that chose pre-recorded or um, live streaming did so because they thought Zoom was beyond the capability of many of their senior members and they'll never learn it and blah, 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 blah. Uh, It took our seniors maybe a couple of weeks and still we had that. You're muted. You're not. I mean, some of the (laughs) turn your mic off, Um, but it didn't take them long, couple weeks and, you know, instructions at the beginning. And now they're pros, all these, you know, 80 year olds and 90 year olds, they're pros. My dad is pro. We've been meeting family gatherings for months now. Right. And I think to myself, what will that change? Uh, right. You know, keeping them connected to fellowship groups, to Bible study groups, or just having socializing events with them. You know, you can log on to Zoom from anywhere. Somebody in the personal care home can help you get set up. So right. there are opportunities here for for our most vulnerable people that uh, we would never have dreamed of. Even though lots of us were using Zoom for years before this, right. but we never thought about this as a as a way of, of you know, a regular thing we do every day. Every week or something. So
1: it, yeah, I, I and I think we take these stereotypes of certain people can't do something or can do something or more inclined to something or not inclined, and um, you it, you wrote about this in the report about you know some of the some some of the elderly folks were learning it, they were participating, yeah. they were picking it up which in many ways it really shouldn't be a surprise no people people can learn things and if people know how to teach they can teach things and it's it's a good uh, you know it works yeah um and so it kind of is like be careful of our assumptions about other people's capacities we might surprise ourselves
2: absolutely yeah Yeah, that's absolutely true yeah yeah it would be interesting to do another survey and just ask people about the gifts right what they saw what what might change that would be fascinating
1: well, hopefully we can keep this conversation going over the next months and perhaps even uh, next year and see what what, what what you experience if you continue the research or if somebody else picks it up and really yeah. want to. Cool. I liked it. I, the, the other thing I'll mention, you know, for folks listening, even though you and I are both Anabaptists, you also have that Wesleyan connection and Cody does as well. This is wider than those two traditions. The respondents of your survey Uh, were such a wide representation. Mm -hmm. And that was really really good to see, because there's also all these different assumptions from different traditions about what worship should look like. But this issue seems like it's very, very much common ground, regardless of denominational tradition.
2: Yeah. And not only denomination, although most of the respondents uh, come from the States, this was all around the world, too. I mean, the comments were coming from everywhere, uh, mostly English speaking, although I do know there are, quite a number of people who translate the blog. I don't know how well that works for them, but. Uh, yeah. I saw,
1: was there, was there a few from uh, New Zealand in there as well? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: See New Zealand in this whole pandemic thing, I think would like, what, what's the problem?
2: What's just your stop issue? stop
1: it. <laughs> you know, just.
2: <laughs> would that we live there. That just would get be... a
1: good prime minister, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Yeah. So, well, at the at the end of our conversations our we don't really call them interviews because we try to just have a conversation. Yeah. We always ask our guests five questions. They all get the same five questions. And so we kind of call it the hot seat. So hopefully oh, this goody. won't be too intense. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, uh, so we, everybody gets asked these questions. Um, world famous theologians uh, get asked these questions, uh, athletes. So, okay. All right. So, Hopefully it's not too intense. Okay. Okay. So the first question is, what
2: are, oh. what
1: are you drinking? What's your go-to beverage?
2: Um, my go-to beverage is green tea.
1: Just one in the morning or do you like drink it throughout the day?
2: Uh, a couple times a day. Yep.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I try to get three to four cups a day. So, oh good for you yeah it's easier to take the little pills but i don't i just drink the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Tea. so and what are you reading a blog an essay a collection of works poetry books uh what 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 do you try to read
2: well uh if you're asking for my job that's one thing if you're asking for mm. entertainment that's another thing oh
1: well then you've got two questions there so oh. well for, <laughs> part, for parts a and b uh
2: part a for my uh, work right now, it's just coursework. I'm planning a, a course for an intensive course for the seminary at the university. So I've been just, I've been stuck in about 30 books here. So mostly just looking for readings for class. So that's a what, hard what, one. To what's, answer. The,
1: what's the course description?
2: Uh, it's called worship, a Christian worship patterns and practices. Okay. I find that most seminarians don't usually get a course in worship, which is really one of my really um annoying things about life I, I'm on that hobby horse a lot so then it has to be just kind of a general right. what are we trying to do here right and then it's also interdenominational so that creates a so during the year yeah it's mostly whatever textbook I'm working in um at least that's where it is now with the planning but when it comes to um uh reading for fun actually this year I've discovered um um uh, audio books our library right. has a whole s- so and i'm a i'm a, a murder mystery buff person so um i i've spent a lot of time walking because like what else can you do right right and so that's been one of the best things for me is just totally detaching and going into another world it's actually been the saving grace of my pandemic
1: one of my favorite writers and i can't remember her name right now i think her last name is mott davison but she's a murder mystery writer
2: I don't think I know that name.
1: And uh, all of her books are revolve around a, uh, a, the the protagonist who is also um, a caterer.
2: Oh. <laughs>
1: and so, in the midst of these mysteries, there are these amazing recipes. I love to cook, and so I was like, "Oh, perfect!" And I, and I started I started as an audiobook listening to these, and I went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I need to go to the library to find a book, <laughs> to find that recipe." And get the, get so, the words.
2: <laughs> Well, I highly recommend uh, a Canadian author named Louise Penny. I discovered her this year and it's just the best books I've I've read in the genre. She's just she is unbelievable.
1: Again, what was the name again?
2: Louise and then Penny, as in actual money pennies.
1: I I, I that's I'm going to jot that one down cuz yes, I do I do the same kind of reading of, you know, work related and then I need something to just go in a different yep. place
2: me too so, and i just yeah, got yeah.
1: finished with uh stephen king's the stand
2: okay as an
1: audiobook because okay. i didn't want to log around all 1900 pages of it yeah
2: uh, no uh, kidding
1: yeah it took a long time yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> so that's what you're what you're reading what are you uh watching like do watching. you like movie genre do you like zoom in uh, or uh, zone out and watch hulu and netflix or
2: yeah yeah netflix and prime and uh we have crave tv up here so we're doing mostly streaming because tv is a wasteland Uh, (laughs) the best thing i watched and i only watched it last week uh i was un, it was unbelievably good was a movie called uh, not a movie a a limited series called unorthodox oh yeah i've heard about that okay it was phenomenal just phenomenal i quickly texted my daughter and said have you watched it she said oh yeah mom that was so beginning of the pandemic, (laughs) (laughs) clearly a year behind, but (laughs) no, it was incredible, just incredible story. And a a world, a a look at that sort of Hasidic community that, you know, you see from the outside, but you don't see from the inside. So yeah, it was superb. So
1: on this side of the border, we go, Oh, those Canadians have the best uh, shows. Oh, so we say the wife, same thing
2: about you we, guys.
1: That, that can't be. Because we were like, wait, Schitt's Creek is amazing. Kim's Convenience oh. was awesome. <laughs> A few years ago, we watched, what was it? Little Mosque on the Prairie or something like that. I forgot what the name of that one was. But
2: yeah, you yeah. know,
1: and it's like, there's, there's a style and I don't know how to describe it. We go, that's really good. So.
2: Oh, that's great. Good. <laughs> We're good for something.
1: <laughs> so, oh, and so what are you listening to music podcast? You talked about audiobooks already, but. You know, what, it's what, mostly,
2: it's mostly audio I, having grown up a musician and still am a musician. Um, I don't enjoy music the same way other people do. And I've found other musicians yeah. who are the same. It's part of our world but it's not as restful for us. I don't know what that's about. So it, my husband- It pulls husband, in another
1: part of your brain, huh? It does, it does. analyzing-
2: My husband is like total non-musician and he just right. can't live without something going on in his ears. For me, it's far more distracting than it is helpful. So for me, it's words. I mostly listen to words and I that's know that's probably heresy, but there it is.
1: Do you think of it as a difference between being a uh, uh, an academic in music as opposed to being yeah, a performer? Probably,
2: probably. I don't know.
1: It's it just it
2: it's a work for me, right? I mean, I enjoy it, but uh it's it's more work for me. So That's
1: fascinating. Yeah, that's that's a hmm, that's something to ponder. I know right. it's and, and here's of, the la- here's the last question. Okay. So, if Cody and I were to uh drive on up there and show up at your doorstep, where would you take us to eat? What's the best oh, place to go?
2: Okay, you're asking somebody who almost never goes out to eat and hasn't for a year. So probably, I don't know. It'll probably take you somewhere Indian.
1: Is there a significant Indian community there?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, there's a significant everything community here in Winnipeg, Filipino, Indian, French, Canadian, obviously. So Vietnamese. Yes, we have... Oh, there's a history of uh, immigrants in the city, so it's a really lovely, culturally diverse place. You can find just about any kind of food you want here, but we're not really those people, so.
1: Well, on, on the other hand, do you make Varenica?
2: No, I do not. Oh, okay, I was <laughs> gonna say
1: you could take us for, to some place for Verenica. so.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, too much work. I uh, My life doesn't have the same room my mother's life had, you know, for just that kind of cooking.
1: V- Varenica and beer rocks, you know, those, those kinds of things. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah do you guys cook it uh
1: i make all, i don't make Veronica as much as i used to okay and i, I do all the cooking at our at our house uh because i work from home most of the time oh nice and then my wife teaches and so the um you know kate i used to make beer rocks quite a bit i make bread all the time i don't know why i don't make beer rocks i could just huh, you know, yeah take those leftovers and just throw them on in but <laughs> um yeah um I I should do more but I don't cuz I think yeah. I've had such good Veronica and mine just doesn't measure up. That's, oh
2: yeah, <laughs> that would probably be mine too.
1: <laughs> and then you know we 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 once had a we once had a um a student from um Ukraine stay with us. Uh-huh. We were living in Kansas and we we made Veronica and we were talking about Varenica and she had no idea what we were talking about. Then when we served it, she went, oh, Veroniki. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And so um, did she
2: make it for you? And
1: it's like, we should have asked her to participate in the making of it, but yeah. she didn't understand what we were talking about. So she wasn't <laughs> joining in. <laughs> um, but yeah, hmm. well, Christine, um, we will um, put a little write up in our podcast uh, and we want to highlight some of the social media stuff, re-worship. We'll put a link for this uh, research study. Sure. And when they go to to re-worship, they can connect to your blog. They see the worship resources there. And there's also a way to be in contact with you if anybody has any questions.
2: Sounds good.
1: So uh, we'll highlight that and let people know that you're out there. And really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation.
2: Yeah, this was fun, Craig. Thanks.
1: Hope to meet again.
2: You bet. Virtually
1: or otherwise. Exactly. All right. Blessings to you.
2: Yeah, to you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for joining Cody Stoffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom, and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other, and occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment. And look for upcoming Facebook live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at all that's holy. Our intro and outro music is by At the Speed of Darkness. Support At the Speed of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there, as well as follow him on Instagram at At the Speed of Darkness.